What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Burial the Frost. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. Let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping it strong style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network the young boy Joshua Smith here with special guest co-host James Boyd of One Nation Radio. On today's show, we'll review Declaration of Power and cover all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the KISS logo. This week's episode is brought to you by NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit njpwext.us today for details. And as I'm sure you probably are all aware, I am not Jeremy Donovan, you know, blessing you with my, um, you know, incredible uh, radio voice that he has. But uh, you are here with me and one James Boyd. James, how you doing? I'm doing good. Um, it, it, I, you know, I've done the show a couple of times, and I think it's my third time doing it. And like, you know, Jeremy, he 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 keeps a type ship. Uh, but uh, I think you feel doing well. I think you feel doing well. Well, the the good news is he's not here, so I can do whatever the fuck I want on this episode. It's gonna be unhinged. Uh, uh, <laughs> Actually, no. Like, um, oh, if no. we if if you, me, Rich, and Jane and uh, Jeremy are like the four horsemen, you're definitely the enforcer of the group. So I really can't wait. Get away I'm the enforcer. Yeah, you're the enforcer. You're the muscle. Oh, uh, okay. So uh, I can't I really get right. away with too much foolishness anyways. Yeah, I I <laughs> bristle at the idea of me as a black man being the Arn Anderson of any group, but okay. <laughs> like that like that, that sounds like yeah, you 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 just you are not you're not that fun, you're a stick in the mud. You, <laughs> it's like, God damn. All right, fine. I'll be that, I guess. I'll be that. Uh, I just mean you're you're the muscle, you're the Batista. <laughs> the Batista. <laughs> You know, this is um, 
the first we've done one other we've done me and James have been podcasting together for years and years. I got my start on One Nation Radio with you guys going back to like 2013. But we, you and I, have only ever done one episode of any podcast together ever, and that was an NXT then, now, and forever episode. Uh, oh yeah, like four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was um. Oh. Oh, they killed! They killed that that thing that I loved. They really did. <laughs> they really did. Well, they're trying to bring it back to life. They might do well. You never um, know. I uh, maybe maybe so maybe so. With all the talent they're hoarding, they might you know bring it back to its glory years. We'll see. I, yeah, that, I, I have I have concerns, but we'll see. That episode was headlined by former NWA National Champion Brodus Clay and the, <laughs> and the current. All elite, all Atlantic champion pack. <laughs> you looked this up, didn't you? No, I remember it. The, for, the, that's the real Forbidden Door. Oh my god! Like, how, there's no way you just pulled this off the top of your head. Well, okay, actually, I don't know if he. I don't know if he was national. He was some champion, maybe TV champion. No, just the fact that you remember like the podcast from t- 2019. Well, because I don't, I don't watch it many like classic episodes of NXT, uh, so. You know, Pack versus Brodus Clay sticks out. Ah, <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. But uh, before we jump into things, um, you know how you do, man. Is there anything you want to, you know, tell the listeners before we get started? Um, not too much. Uh, just ready to do the show. I ended up watching. Um, I ended up watching the Sumo Hall show just like minutes ago. I ended up. Um, I ended up, you know, being busy all weekend. I couldn't get to it, but I watched it and like I enjoyed the show. Um. I didn't love the top match as much as everybody else did, but I still thought it was a great match. And I like Shingo, man. Um, that dude, he can he can make anything work. <laughs> Any goofy thing, he can make it work. So yeah, I had fun watching the show. Yeah, uh, I definitely enjoyed the show for a lot of reasons, and I think uh, surprisingly, I probably share the same sentiments about the top of the card as you. But we'll get into that um, before we go into our review, though. Just one quick. Uh, bit of business uh, last week we did an episode and the first hour and a half was centered around uh, t- talking about the legacy of Antonio Noki. Uh, we were joined by uh, uh, Justin Nipper as well as Mike Sempervivi and we got just a plethora of shout outs and people reaching out to us DMs, emails, a lot of people telling us that this was some of the best audio that we've ever done which uh we definitely worked hard on it, so I appreciate all the, uh, you know, all the kind words and sentiments you guys sent to us over this past week. That's uh, really awesome. Um, but if you were interested in that episode and you didn't get enough of your Anoki fill this past week, I was invited by the folks over at Wrestling to do an episode of Noob Japan with uh, Kiaran, their host. And um, that is now out on their Patreon. I believe you can get their Patreon for as little as $1 a month. And then uh, the following week, so about this time next week, that episode will be on the airways for free. So if you guys want to check it out, it's about an hour and a half of deep dive, just me and Kieran going in and talking even more about the life and memory of Antonio Noki. There's a lot of stuff that we covered on that episode we did not do on this episode, uh, last week's episode. So check that out if you get a chance. Uh, James, you're, 
you look like you're about to like laugh about something. What's going on? Yeah. Well, when you said like you know I did a I did an hour and a half or we did an hour and a half on Anoki and then you made it sound as if you're like and we're about to do another hour and a half right now and with no. Jay's boy and I was gonna be like no we are not I ain't got none for you Antonio Anoki I've watched like four of his matches ever. No, I'm surprised <laughs> so you even watched four you. of his four of his matches. Right. You know I don't do the '70s and '80s wrestling at all. Like I saw um. I saw when uh, Saito brought um, Vader out to beat um, to beat him at the end of a uh, end of a show, and like yeah. I was trying to watch it to see like th- them riot, but it cut off. They cut it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I've actually you know, never seen the, the video when you beat of that the fuck out of um, Antonio. I'm sorry, the Grand Antonio. I saw that too, and I saw yeah. a few other. I saw a couple other ones, um, but those are the ones that like most stick out to me. Like, as they were, or they were like confused like wait there's this other guy coming out like in oh you beat anoki oh that's bullshit <laughs> they were furious you they know were what, stuff as they were the, leaving as saito and um and vader were leaving the funny thing about that though is everyone always is like oh the reason they were so pissed is because anoki got beat and he never lost and his aura blah 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 there's some truth to that that's not all that it was the the real reason is because the match prior to that was a match that had been building for like six years anoki uh, choshu and everyone mm. thought Choshu was going to beat Anoki clean. Wow. Because they okay. love Choshu. And then, and then Choshu got jobbed in like six minutes. And people were like, what the fuck? Mm. And the guy that was like being brought in as like the as like an outside sort of character to like lead Choshu and then also interact and lead Vader was like this. Uh, I don't know his name, but he's like a, he, at the time a very prominent comedic like pop culture person like mm. a com- like a comedy act essentially okay. and it, it was like wwe is and people were like i don't want this i don't <laughs> want choshu getting jobbed and i definitely don't want this dude in a bodysuit that i've never seen jobbing him and what the fuck is going on that's why they rioted it wasn't just mm. about protecting it they got ripped off basically yeah, okay. yeah they were doing a bunch of bullshit mm. <laughs> but let's get into the show so declaration of power uh came to us live yesterday morning um uh, from uh, Sumo Hall, they had a reported attendance of about 4,059 from Ryogoku Kugigakin. Um, we were, I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> you sound that. like Mayu Iwatani saying Ryogoku Kugigakin. <laughs> Kugigakin, yes. You know, normally I do pretty good on the uh, translations but uh, or the pronunciation, but uh, yeah, I, I'm feeling the pressure because there's no Jeremy here. <laughs> Here's a little thing you might not know. Jeremy has that has like you know the um, the inline mixer, and he has an edit button. And also, you know, Jeremy's been you know was doing all the the radio and hosting stuff. Yeah, uh, like you know in when he, in grade school and throughout. Right. So he has like that background. So like, but also he has the power of editing. So don't sweat it. But uh, we had Kevin Kelly, Chris Charlton, and they were teasing a special guest return, which ended up being Rocky Romero on commentary. In my opinion, this is the uh, probably the best trio of commentators that New Japan has. So it's great to hear them all together once again. And before the show started, there was what an- you mean? What do you mean? You you think they're better than the Japanese commentary table? No, for the English. Oh, I okay, apologize. fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean- fair enough. <laughs> hey, man, but, uh, ain't no liger. <laughs> no, I like liger. I like uh, you know um, those guys, but. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of Milano, but like I couldn't think of his name. So right, Milano, so like, just keep moving. But uh, yeah, yeah. 
there was an on an unaired pre-show uh segment where Yuji Nagata come came out and he introduced uh a new young lion by the name of Oleg Bolton. Uh, he's a Kazakhstan um, freestyle wrestling champion, um, highly touted prospect, somebody that I think a lot of the different dojo systems in New Japan have been looking at trying to recruit and as well as like other, you know, combat sports. But looks like he is being brought in. He's one of the biggest uh, young lions they probably ever had. Did you catch this dude? I did not see him, but... Uh, English commentary mentioned him in passing between one of the matches and mentioned like he's gigantic, right? Like he's like he's like over a hundred. Um, I forgot how many kilograms, but like he was like he's a big boy for for New Japan. Yeah, he's a big, big heavyweight. There was one point during the um, the junior match between Ishimori and uh, Wato where he came out through the gate and he was right by them and he had to like crouch down and he was like the same size as them on his knees, basically. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, yeah, this is a. Um, you know, highly touted prospect. And uh, Yuji Nagata has been doing quite a bit of prospecting, trying to bring in, you know, different uh, individuals. Uh, there was recently the other young line that he was trying to bring in that All Japan ended up picking up. But it looks like they were able to procure the services of Oleg Bolton. So look to see how he progresses as a young line going forward. We did have a question from Hawaiian Punch BB. He said, after they gave a big announcement with Yuji Nagata, do you think that Oleg Bolton is destined for big things? Do you think they'll fast track him to his excursion and main roster return earlier than most young lions? I mean, it all depends on how you know how well he picks it up, right? Like he also right. obviously has the, the background, but you know, pro wrestling is you know different and all that kind of stuff. Um, even though there's been success with the, that kind of crossover or that kind of like lead in and background, but yeah, like. Um, I have to I have to see a picture of what it looks like, but if depending on you know obviously you say that the size is you know he ma- makes him distinct for New Japan to begin with, so that he has a leg up on the, in that particular um, standpoint. But you know depending on how he picks it up, if he can pick it up, yeah. you know they they, they might want to consider trying to fast track him. But like you said, it does depend on his aptitude and his uh, you know ability to learn quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. He is twenty nine years old, so not super young, but not you know he's still got some some you know, experience already. And uh, yeah, I mean, if we, the only thing we could probably compare this to was uh, Kitamura when he was a um, yeah, young yeah. lion. And that was a guy that they were definitely fast tracking if things had worked out differently. So if, if that's any indication, that might be the case. Does he have that kind of physique, you think? Not quite the same physique, but he's bigger. Oof. Okay. I, I mean, he's tall. He's a tall guy. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably a better amateur wrestler than Kitamura was, though, because he's he's mm-hmm. he's actually like, uh, you know, competed on the world stage. He like placed fifth in the world freestyles. OK, yeah. Kitamura, like uh, that dude was so wide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not as wide as him, but he's bigger than him. OK. But when the uh, the show started proper, we uh, got an Inoki tribute ceremony as well as a 10 bell salute. And they made an announcement that Wrestle Kingdom 17 is going to be dedicated to his memory. Um, I thought they did a fantastic job with this segment, just bringing out pretty much everybody from the roster. They had all the uh, the Chaos and Hantai guys kind of around stage. And then the members of the factions going down the different aisleways of uh, – sumo hall but yeah i thought that this was really well done and it's one of the things new japan does better than probably any other wrestling industry or or company when it comes to uh you know doing send-offs and and that sort of thing 
Yeah, don't disagree with you on that. Um, but, you know, the Liger thing from a few years ago was awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, let's start off the show here. So the first match of the night, we saw David Finley and Robbie Eagles team up with the returning from excursion Ren Narita to defeat the Suzuki Goon team of Doki, El Desperado, and Yoshinabu Kenemaru in 7 minutes and 28 seconds. James, what were your thoughts on this one? Like the match, liked it. Uh, felt like a hot opener, if you will, for New Japan, which they don't, you know, like you watch their bigger shows or, you know, show of the month type of thing. It doesn't sometimes feel like this. Sometimes it feels like just throwing anything out there. Um, but it, it felt like they were they were really focused on getting Renarita like established as he's back here and like he's going to be a bit of a deal and like keep a track on his progress. Um, and I really liked um, what they had, you know, having Eagles. And, um, uh, who, who are they, who Eagles, Renarita and who else again, I'm blanking right now. Yeah. It was, uh, Eagles, Narita and David Finley. That's right. Finley. Then they had Finley and Eagles just clear out and clear out, uh, the rest of, um, Suzuki Goon. So they can go ahead and just do Doki and Renarita and Renarita like fought, fought, fought. And then eventually, um, you know, showcase one. I, I thought. I, I thought like it was perfect to, for a guy coming back and reestablish himself. And then they let him, you know, get on the house mic too at the end. I thought it was, I thought it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Fun match. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably give it, you know, three and a quarter or something like that. Yeah. That's about where I was with it too. I thought it was a good opener, good showcase match. Um, you know, my only thing with it is oftentimes some of these guys that are gone on an excursion, they come back with a gimmick, they come back with a, you know, a character change or mm-hmm. vignettes, that sort of thing. They didn't really give that treatment to Renderita, which may kind of tell you where they see him in the pecking order. Mm. And, it, and it might not, um, you know, because of the fact that he is, they did give him a new moniker. They're calling yeah. him the son of strong style. Right. And, right. You, you know, that's tied into the thing that he's so closely aligned by his trainer, uh, Katsuri Shibata. Uh, there was one thing I noticed his um, kick pads are, yep have the same kind of um i don't know what the word is but the inlays with his name on it the same mm-hmm. way that shibata's were yep i noticed that too so but, like, yeah. so when you say like you don't know about his gimmick i'm thinking to myself like well his gimmick is that he's shibata's son like, right that's the gimmick period <laughs> well that's <laughs> not really they call the... him strongest uh, son of strong style like you know it's, it's a little subtle because it's, it's not much of a departure from you know the enoki young lion Sure. Whole thing, and also you know the, even the Shibata, the wrestler stuff. But like, if that is what they're in fact doing, uh, you know, aesthetically is not going to be much different. Well, the only thing with it is like you could still do that and maybe give him. A, I, I hate to sound like one of the video package, you know, people, but you know, give him a little, <laughs> give him a little video package, you know, give him a little video package. It might help for the opening match. <laughs> well, just the, he's coming back, you know, our boy. But this kind of tells me that, you know, he might be destined for that hard road that Shibata you, had to take. I mean, you could be right. You could very, you could very well be right because, you know, like, he's not like when you look at um, Okan or you look at um, Suji or you look at uh, Shota in, in RevPro. Right. Like, yeah. they're, they're totally different from when they were, from when they were you know, still, um, still around. So, yeah. Right. You're right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I thought he had a really great accounting of himself here. And, you know, every time he hits that overhead belly to belly bridging suplex, like it just is, it's so crazy. Like the speed, the velocity, he lands on his fucking head. Yeah. It's pretty scary. 
Yeah. But I, it, it's, it's a thing of beauty. It's almost shocking because, like, you know, there's not too many people that's out here just giving flat out, like, fast bridging suplexes in the in the men's category. Of, I was going to say, it's a Joshi thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see a lot of, you know, EO, Tam, Mayu, a lot of them do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's um, or Tommy. But, yeah, uh, it's just different. And, and it, made, it makes him stand out. It makes him seem distinct. And, like, um, yeah, like, the two he had in this match were, were just picture perfect. Yep, but he picked up the win over Doki. Uh, we had a couple questions here. Rambo and Slam Pig said, what are your thoughts on Narita's return? Do you like Son of Strong Style as his persona, or are you hoping for more of a reinvention? I'm here for it personally. What do you What do you want to see him uh, work a program? Who do you want to see him work a program against the most? Uh, do we? Are we sure that he's not going to be put in juniors? No, we're not, but he is in the, and we'll get to it, but he's in the TV title tournament and it looks like he's working heavyweight. So, okay. I'm going to, and you know, he kind of, he, he wasn't really working juniors or the junior style when he was over in strong either. That's true. Yeah. He was out here working everybody else and like having those matches where like he loses, but gets over. Yeah. Um, or, you know, shows his worth. Um, I, I don't really have a I don't really have a, a thought like I, I don't even have a place of like you know is he just gonna be like a distinct by himself you know loner slash you know factionless or be just throwing in Hontai or what um right yeah I haven't I haven't really thought about it uh what what are your thoughts maybe you can get me inspired by uh, by you you know well I, I think that's a, that's one of the exciting things that you just brought up is when when a guy comes back if they come back part of a faction day one and you know exactly what's going on. A little less guesswork, but when they come in right out the gate and they're unaffiliated, that kind of leaves the the door open for a lot of different kinds of uh, interactions and mm-hmm. potential team ups. Um, as far as like so- Son of Strong Style is concerned, I think that's a great moniker, especially like for an early iteration of his character. I'm sure. Well, I mean, I can't say sure, but I would imagine you know probably ten years from now they're not going to be calling him Son of Strong Style necessarily, but. You know, it kind of reminds me of like um, when they used to call like Tanahashi like the high speed star or whatever. And they called, uh, you know, uh, Nakamura like the the golden rookie and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Those were kind of like cool, you know, nicknames that, that started them off in their, you know, journey when they came back from excursions. Okay. As, yeah. as far as who I want to see him work, I mean, it's it's Ishii. But that's always the answer. You ever ask me? You just want him in there. You just basically in there with like, and then recreate like the Shibata stuff from you know. Yeah, that. But also, anytime anyone asks me, who do you want to see this person work in New Japan? It's Ishii. That's the answer. Period. It it does make sense for them to do that because, like, you know, with Ishii, like, they're you know, he's very phased down at this point. He won't even own this card. I don't even know if he was in America or whatever, or if he was in Royal Quest or just didn't come back from Royal Quest yet or whatever. But like, yeah, just um. You know, that's a place where they can put him there immediately. But, you know, and then, like, you know, given that he only won one match in in, um, in the G1, like, it wouldn't be the end of the world if, like, he beat Ishii. He does have a match coming up with him part of this TV title tournament. We'll get to that. But I think Ishii was in uh, Parts Unknown along with the rest, with along with the Royal Quest 2 footage that mm. is never coming. So... <laughs> Um, Les Commission 7252 asks, with Ren Narita looking like a badass on New Japan Strong last weekend against Juice Robinson and his homecoming performance yesterday, I automatically think Narita will, will be a huge star in the junior division in a couple of years. What do you guys think? My only thing with that, 
I don't know he's going to be a junior. I've right. got the feeling he's going to be a heavyweight. Uh, how old is he again? Uh, he's in his probably 30s. I don't actually know the answer to that. I could yeah. look. Yeah. Um, just let me know whenever you whenever you find it. Yeah, I just I just think like he has the it seems like he's 24. He seems like he's a he's a tight door because of his frame and given that he's not sh- necessarily short, that mm-hmm. like he could fill out more than where he is, um, depending on, you know, injuries, all that kind of stuff. So like there's room for him to like start out as a junior and then eventually just transition over. Or, you know, or graduate to or whatever else in a way that, like, you know, someone like Haromo just doesn't seem like is ever going to be in, it's not going to be in the cars. They could tease it, but it might just probably never happen. Um, I mean, so, the yeah. real answer is he's six foot. Which means he's probably going to go, he's probably going to be a heavyweight. He's going he's to be a heavyweight either, either immediately or eventually, but, you know, I think there's still room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you, I mean, if you put him in juniors, like, he's immediately, immediately like an impact player there. For, Same thing opinion. happened with um, Shibata. Shibata started as a junior, and then, you know, a couple years later, he was heavyweight. So, makes sense. Um, last question on the subject. Dragon Master Adam asked us, do you think Ren is going to keep the plain black trunks forever, at least in the Son of Strong style gimmick, or will he switch it up a bit as he evolves? I'd bet on he eventually evolves and, and, and moves on and finds his, you know, not necessarily his own identity because I think he's his own man, obviously, but like aesthetically something that gives fans like a delineation of this is growth and, you know, evolution and he's leveled up eventually. To, and he, you know, that's when they'll figure out where he eventually lands as far as like the hierarchy and, you know, wherever he's slotted eventually. That's true. But the only thing I would think about to counter that is. As guys like Shibata, who's been cycled out, and Nakanishi's gone, and Suzuki's on his way out, obviously, probably mm-hmm. in the next few years. Very few guys that are sporting the black trunks anyways. He might mm-hmm. just want to be that guy to differentiate himself for mm-hmm. a while. But there's got to be money in a guy who's a hard-nosed badass who takes himself super seriously, that wears the traditional trunks, who switches one day and completely changes everything, a la a Hulk Hogan in 1996. Someone who does something like that completely switches it. There's money in that, you know, in a gimmick switch like that mm. someday. So yeah. you just never know. Moving on to the next match, uh, second match of the night, we saw the Dangerous Techers, uh, team of Tai Chi and Z- uh, Zack Sabre Jr. They defeated the TMDK duo of Bad Dutito and Shane Hayes, nine minutes and 58 seconds. And I really enjoyed this one. What did you think, James? Yeah, like the two. Um, may have uh, i think i like this more than um than the opener just uh like saber and haste together really fast action um i had forgot that you know haste and you know haste and saber were in Noah at the same time right and, and then a commentary mission i was like oh yeah that's right because you know like just like like a less than a month ago i i found out that like saber has this like long ass history in yeah in noah i had no idea I, but haste i already knew because i was like because then they win uh tokyo or tokyo sports like tag team of the year i believe they did like yeah. way you know almost nearly a decade ago yeah so I, I knew about that um but yeah like they you know really good exchanges of um of haste like keeping up with with you know the saber stuff and it was fun like yeah at one point haste had the advantage and was you know trying to doing the bully teasing disrespect kicks and i was like all right keep it up saber's gonna grab that leg sure enough got the leg 
And then, um, you know, by the end, he ends up getting, uh, or they end up switching out, uh, for a lot of the match, you had, um, you had Taichi kind of like getting it taken to him on the outside. So it was mm-hmm. kind of up to Saber. And then by the time Tito got back in, um, Saber, you know, he escaped out and ended up, you know, getting the European clutch and uh, got the win. But, uh, yeah, really enjoyed the match. Um, yeah, fun match. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, that's warming them up, keeping them hot or, or, or what for, uh, for techers, but, um, good win. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like a little bit, it's an attaboy to Tito and Shane Haste who had really good accountings of themselves over the past few, you know, tours, mm-hmm. um, kind of putting in them, putting them in there with the premier, you know, tag team in new Japan and in dangerous techers. It also serves obviously as uh, a quasi preview match for the upcoming world tag league, which, Definitely Dangerous Techers are going to be in it, which yep. makes sense for them picking up the win. Um, and they kind of spent a good portion of the year apart pursuing singles, yeah. you know, desires. But uh, with TMDK, it's interesting because we don't know if we're going to wind up with Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes reunited for that tour as, you know, the Mighty Don't Kneel, right, like right, right. The, the marquee tag team, or yeah. if Badu Tito, who seems to be getting over and seems to have a lot of like good goodwill and faith behind him, if he comes back for that tour and you know continues to work with Shane Hayes and you know little secret I think I like Bad Dude Tito and Shane Hayes more than Mikey Nichols like Mikey Nichols is a guy that's never really done a lot for me anyway so mm. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out my guess I'm I'm assuming that TMDK lost here so Nichols and Hayes can come back and maybe pick up a, su- a, a surprise win in World Tag League mm. I mean are, are we for sure that in our that or is everybody just assuming that, that um, Jonah's going to go, just go back to WWE? We're going to get to that, but, um, you know, there's nothing official, but some of the tweets he put out kind of feel like maybe maybe he is on his way out, but it's hard to know, especially with the, all the all the tampering that's gone on in AEW right. and everything. Because, <laughs> um, you know, when me and Rich were talking on One Nation Radio during the final um, week of – um, like the Budokan Hall, the three the three straight Budokan Hall shows for for the G one to close out, and you know he had the um he had mentioned like he would have never had if it was up to him he would never had Jonah beat Okada. And I was like, well, you know what's gonna happen? Like he's gonna get that win back, obviously, just right. you know right here. But he was like, you know, you never know if they might just leave out and then you and then like the next you know just yesterday all of a sudden the fucking <laughs> never openweight champion shows up on yeah. raw so it's like eh, in the back of your mind you're thinking like you know I, obviously i know like some of the interview stuff when jonah uh about how like how much he really wanted to go to japan always wanted to so like right. i don't think he'd do he, i don't think he'd do business like that but you know it, it does, point, it does say, leave the, the, right. the thought does stay in the back of your mind of you know of some type of dirty play. Yeah. Hey, hey, if he wants to go to WWE, more make power that to money, him. You know, more power to him. Yeah. Um, but if if there was a scenario where he ends up in New Japan, they've done everything they possibly could in the precise right way to make that yep. a, a reality. And if it's not enough, then you know it's hey, they shot their best shot. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Moving on, the third match of the night, we had six-man tag team action. This was a match that was changed due to Kushida being off this card. Uh, originally, this was going to be six or nine, Hikaleo and Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming against all four members of House of Torture. They changed it to six-man tag, so we got Taguchi, Hikaleo, and Tanahashi teaming up against House of Torture trio of Evil, Show, 
and Yujiro Takahashi, the current reigning never openweight six-man tag team champions. And um, the Hantai group was able to win seven minutes and 14 seconds. The end of this match, Taguchi was in a compromising position with the ref's back turn where he was hit by uh, the wrench by show. It looked like he was about to lose. And the last second, Hikaleo came in, gave a like bone-curdling uh, <laughs> a choke slam to, um, to Yujiro. And then he took to Gucci and put him over his body and they got the one, two, three. Yeah. Um, the, you know, in a W in at times in that I've seen him in America, it, it looks like there is something to Hikaleo, but it's going to come slow. But like the, the, it looks like he's figuring out slowly, like how to be a monster for a Japanese crowd. And, um, the stuff he was doing, like that got over, like, and when he, <laughs> When he lifted up for that choke slam, like the crowd was in awe, and I was yeah. too, because it like he was about to like throw him to the roof, um, before he brought him down. Uh, yeah, so yeah, like looked, at, you know that that you know the monster moments were impressive. Um, I just hope that you know keeps progressing that sort of thing. But yeah, um, it's okay, match. Yeah, the match was whatever. I mean, it's a house of torture six man, so it yeah. wasn't anything yeah. great. Plus, yeah, and then was- at the beginning when they have Tanahashi in, and he, you know. Like he goes for the air guitar, they cut off the air guitar. I'm like, oh god, not, not oh god. <laughs> there, there was a lot more shenanigans in yeah. this trio I, match than some of their other trio matches. Mm. On top of that, plus you got Taguchi out there with the Taguchi antics and yes, you know, still Tanahashi doing Tanahashi stuff take, and yeah, Tanahashi's trying Kimura to take stuff. a night off too. So you know, he, he's not trying to go all out either. Yeah. So this yeah. is pretty much a showcase for Hikaleo, who just recently left Bull Club. So. And right. I, I think they did good with him. Um, if you've been a long-time listener to this podcast, you know that we have been, you know, we bought in early on the Hikaleo penny stocks, and I think they're going to pay off in the long term. You know, I think it's a – <laughs> Yeah, you know, because when he started, it, he was not looking good at mm-hmm. all. But me and Jeremy both were like, kids got something. I bet you they – I bet you he becomes a star. And he's really <laughs> progressed, so – it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a way to go on the wrist of bet on Ming's son. <laughs> like, what the hell? Hey, there was a time where, like, if you told me that, like, you know, the sons of Ming were going to be, like, top stars, I probably would have been like, I don't know about I mean, when, I mean, look, look. Um, when when Tangaloa was in NXT and he was wrestling Adam Rose, I 100% agree with you as far as thinking, like, what is this? It's not going to work. And for a while, when G.O.D. was doing a lot of that bad heel stuff, it wasn't working. But, like, once they, you know, once they, you know, switch it up, they've shown improved over the last, like, two two years or so. So, yeah, like, you know, um, whatever. But, but yeah, like, but ultimately, you're never going to go bad betting on, like, Ming's kids. You, you just, yeah, you're just not. You're not. Like, oh, I, I mean, think, look. I'm, I was going to say something that was stereotypical. I'm going to move on. I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave the I'm going to leave the Asian Pacific Islands alone. But <laughs> right, say, like, well, they have a pretty good hit percentage, and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on uh, to the next match of the night. Fourth match of the night, we had tag team action as the United Empire team of the Great Okan and Jeff Cobb defeated Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi. Ten minutes and nine seconds. 
I like the story. I don't think this match was bad. I think this match was good, but I enjoyed the story in the tag action more of Cobb is obviously just, you know, bigger, stronger, better athlete than than Yoshihashi, but Yoshihashi is able to get, work over that leg, and then Cobb has to sell the leg. This is the leg that he hurt earlier. Um, was that this year or last year? We hurt his I leg it, at Russell. I think, it, I think it was last year. I yeah, last year. So he's selling that knee, and like he has to struggle at times. And, and at times, like Yoshihashi is, you know, basically like working half of a man, right? It's, as opposed to the whole man, because the whole leg thing. And I thought, I thought that it was effective of like. Yoshihashi can actually stay alive in this for a while. It, um, we all knew it was going to happen. But like we knew he was going to stay alive for a while. And I thought it was entertaining. So yeah, um, enjoyed the match. Yeah, this match is kind of um, served as like a de facto number one contender yep. match. But yep. even prior to that, this United Empire team of Okan and Jeff Cobb—they've sort of been on a tear throughout the division. They defeated this team. They defeated former champions in Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. And uh, they defeated like Team Filthy and TMDK and a you know Suzuki Goon and a bunch of others. So they're kind of in this spot where the two times they've dropped the IWGP titles, it's been in multi-man tag team matches where they didn't suffer the pinfall. And okay. they're trying to get their hands on FTR and kind of what's going on. I last week on the show I explained it like this: um, in the mid two thousands, the lineal light heavyweight champion was this guy named uh, Zeralt Erde. And at the same time as he's the lineal, you know, light heavyweight mm-hmm. champion over in Denmark or wherever, Roy Jones Jr. has all the belts and is defeating everybody in, in North America. And it's mm-hmm. like, who, who's the real champion? The guy that happened to beat someone that's in a lineal line or the guy that's doing all the business, that's beating all the challengers, and that's active. And that, mm-hmm. that's what we have right now. FTR is not even in the company. They've only had one match that hasn't even made tape that we've never seen and it's been months and months and months and they've, they've been completely inactive. And rich then, got to you, didn't he? No, I got to rich. And then all at the same time, you got, you got Ocon and Cobb who are just running challenger after, challenger after challenger after challenger. They're the real champions. They're the number <laughs> one guys. And like, so, it's just a matter of getting FTR over here so they can drop the belts to them basically at this point. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with you. Oh, but one thing before we move on from this match. One thing that needs to be noted. Like, I know that he is a, you know, a, just a, a god as far as a pro wrestling meme. But Great Ocon is, and he's, a, <laughs> and he's a freak. But Great Ocon was, in this match was nasty. Just nasty. Like, yeah, he you, took the You were st- saying that. What were you talking about, though? Okay, so he comes out, like, uh. United Empire and Queen's Quest and Stardom, they both have, like, their flag, right? With, mm-hmm. you know, the flag and also on the ta- the tags of the names of each member on, on their flag. Made by the same designer, same design, except different logos and color, color schemes, right? So, Okan brings it, has his in the ring, and then he compares it and basically does, like, a dick measuring contest with Yoshihashi's bow, right? So, um, the match starts by... Okan attacking Yoshihashi and taking the bow. Then in the middle of the match, um, you know, Okan will do this, do the the gimmick where he'll, or not the gimmick, his thing where like he'll put someone in the corner and then basically sit on sit on the back of their sit on their neck basically in, in on the right. top turnbuckle, right? So as he does that, 
somehow he gets the bow from I don't know who was cornering uh, I don't know who was cornering them but gets the bow again and then he grabs the bow and he puts and he grabs and he puts the bow but from where he was on top of the middle rope and sit, still sitting on Yoshihashi's head he puts the bow in between Yoshihashi's cheeks and he runs it like a pull cue between <laughs> and I was like oh this dude's nasty this is and then at the end of the match after um Yoshihashi got put away by Cobb with the tour of the islands um He's basically hanging over the top of him, over the top of Yoshiaki's carcass, and he had the tongue out, and he's like, ah, and I was like, hey, man, this, this, is, a, this is a nasty individual. He's a freak. This is a big old freak, yes. I, I, like, I like that he's a freak now and not just, like, you know, this, like, mythic, you know. Genghis Khan, yes. Genghis Khan, I'm with like, you. Mongolian zombie that's a hopping vampire from, yeah. like, you know, millennia's gone by. <laughs> Like, you know, it's weird. Do you not know that that was his gimmick? That, that they, like, in Chinese mythology, they have hopping vampires. And that was what his, like, entrance is supposed to be. I, I, look, I knew the entrance. The entrance was over. You know, him basically, like, just being his own megaphone was over. Right? Right. Um, But I did not know that, like, the gimmick was, like, vampires. Had no idea this was some, it, it's, you know. It's a mishmash of a bunch shit. of no different idea. things. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh. Yoshihashi eats the tour of the islands, which I thought was pretty awesome the way that they set that up. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was not the best match between these two teams, but these are yeah. two of the best teams in yeah. New Japan. Yeah. So, given the, given a place on the card, it was meant for them to go out there and try to kill it. Yeah, right. And I'm sure during World Tag League, we'll see probably something you know considerably better between them. I'm sure it'll be a main event one night, and hopefully um, less less freaky. <laughs> Fifth match of the night, we saw the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Sonata, and Naito. They took on the United Empire team of Aaron Hanare, Francesco Akira, TJP, and Will Ospreay. And the LIJ team did pick up the victory eight minutes and seven seconds, and they got a little bit of help here. We uh, we had uh, one of the first big shocking moments of the night. And James, you were uh, you were you know shooting messages to the group chat. You're like, "What the fuck is this? Who just right. wiped out all of?" All of you know Night Empire, like what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. So um I, I just had no idea what was happening. And uh for me, you know, um starting off the match, like watching the Naito and Ospreys at the start, gotta say, seeing Naito in Sumo Hall in the t shirt, just th- thank you. Thank you for letting me know how much you don't care. Well whatever. But anyway, um I thought that like their exchange at the beginning between you know Osprey and Naito was was electric. And then they got out, and then later they came back and they were just fantastic again. And like, hey, I gotta say, like, you say what you want to about Will Osprey because there's plenty of things to say, but he's out here restoring the feeling with uh, or he's out here getting Naito to restore the feeling. And I, I look, I gotta yep. say, I was I was really down on Naito for yep. for a couple years and when he's in there with, with Osprey that man like just is rejuvenated. rejuvenated so whatever whatever if you are a Naito fan I don't want to hear you I don't want to hear no shit about Osprey <laughs> and this that and the third this man is revitalizing this man's like in-ring peak right now so it, it feels a lot like 2018 when those two touch okay so I don't no, want to hear like, I don't want to hear 2016 it. with Naito <laughs> man feels like a player again out of nowhere oh my god yeah i i i don't disagree whatsoever the every single interaction between those two guys it, it kind of reminds me like stuff yeah there are times where like um 
we'd have similar scenarios where there'd be these preview multi-man tags and anytime like say Hiromu and Osprey who were feuding would go ahead at it. It was electric or anytime it was like Dragon Lee and Hiromu, you know, same thing. That's kind of what was going on in this match was like, it, it was really awesome. Anytime you got Naito and um, Osprey. And I mean, we were getting like t-shirt Naito and Sumo Hall. Right. <laughs> right. I, I, and I just mentioned it. Like, you know, he started out by letting, by trying to pretend like he didn't care. And then he went out there and that's the best t-shirt Naito. You I've know ever why? Seen. Because, Tranquilo is a grift. <laughs> All right? He cares. He cares a lot. Are you glad that he never showed up to WWE in some type of buyout and then they were talking about how Tranquilo is is a is a, you know, is a mind state, <laughs> you know? Like <it's> a- <laughs> <laughs> they, no, they would completely change his name. They'd have him coming out to like, you know, you know, I don't know, like I don't even the, know the what stereotyp- WWE would be. It would they'd be, come out. He'd come out to the stereotypical, stereotypical like Oriental music, like do, 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 and like he'd have like oh a, he'd, he'd like carry an umbrella or some shit, you know, <laughs> or a fan. It'd be messed up. Kyrie, Kyrie was actually out there with a with a with an umbrella um, when she was in Kabuki Warriors with Oscar. Yeah, she had the uh, like the whose idea do you think that was? That was Vince's idea. No, that was probably Kyrie's idea. Like that was <laughs> that was probably homage to a um, to a former white belt champion to start him. Because like the whole even like the makeup was like uh, this former this former Stardomers like like whole swag. So I I think I. I I can't really, I can't really just say flat out like this WWE being racist again. But sure enough, they'll strike again eventually. Yeah, but I always feel confident in saying it because even if I'm wrong, like the track record, you know. Yeah, yeah, their track record speaks for itself. Definitely does. Definitely. One of the does. first, one of the first ever podcasts I ever did with you guys in 2013 was racism in wrestling. I probably shouldn't even been on that show discussing it with you guys, but you guys invited me on to do. <laughs> It's it's back it's it's there like it's on the backlog. You guys can probably find it. it's probably terrible. Oh man! But uh, going back to this match, uh, just aside from um, you know the obvious Will Ospreay and Naito feud that's brewing, we mm-hmm. also had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions in there, Francesco Akira and TJP. Yep. On the opposite end is uh, Bushi and Hiromu. Mm-hmm. But down the tail end stretch of this match, there was interference and support from a masked man who turned out to be Teton from CMLL, the current reigning world welterweight champion from uh, CMLL. He came in, he cleared house. Sometimes people don't like stuff like this, but to me, it makes sense. If these guys were all working and wrestling and, you know, just got done with a fight, a fresh guy that comes in and, you know, basically kamikazes them, they don't expect him to be, you know, bombarding them. He might be able to get the upper hand. So kind of made sense. He was able to, uh, you know, pretty much clear clear house and create a scenario where Bushi picks up the big one, two, three with the MX off the top rope. And post-match, he unmasks. Everyone sees it's Teton. And this whole thing was um, at first really cool, but then when I realized that no one in LIJ had any idea that Teton from CMLL was showing up or helping them, this was not pre-planned. This wasn't an inside job. They didn't bamboozle them. It was just this dude being like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to make a power move. I kind of was like, I don't know about this. And then it's like, they didn't even speak words. The LH members just like put their hands in the air. And I'm like, that's how you guys decide shit. Like, it, well, there's, there's no discussion about whether this guy, like the cost, you know, the, 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 the cost analysis, the, yeah. the pros well, and cons. And also they're doing, okay. So 
to be fair, commentary put over that like they were putting their fists in as if they were voting. Like fists up means they're voting, and then all, right. and then like if you were if you were like a nay or abstaining, you just won't put your fists up. Then everybody eventually did, and then like they let him put a fist in. And the thing for me was like he he looked. Teton looks so gassed to be to be like actually accepted. He looks like he looked like the biggest dork that was so happy to be around. And but whatever, like it happened. He was super impressive, you know, beating up um beating up United Empire. But like, yeah, but like they did the vote thing while Shingo wasn't there because obviously Shingo was gonna come out later for for his match for King of Pro Wrestling. But like, yeah, it was four to it was four to one. It is what it is. He's in. Sorry, Shingo, you, you lost. You know, it's a democracy. It's just, like, for me, like, I know it's wrestling, but, like, just think about, like, our group. Could we, like, all decide on one thing without speaking words, just putting a fist in? Like, that's ridiculous. Never say the the term putting a fist in to me ever again. Putting a fist in together. Oh, my God. But even beyond that, um, you know, it it, it is cool that Teton's part of this group. This is a guy that in recent years, especially during the pandemic, has really ingratiated himself within CMLL and sort of made himself a top guy there. And when he came back for this year's um, best of the super juniors tournament, he had an incredible showing Um, normally in the past. He's just kind of been like the, the CMLL luchador that gets brought in and he does, he goes four and four basically, Mm -hmm. and he's 500. But in this tournament, it really seemed to be that they were treating him a lot more, you know, special and at the same time, they don't have too many luchadors from Mexico. They don't have Dragon Lee right now and that sort of thing. So, do we know? Uh, is he still excommunicated because of the, you know? I don't know his current situation okay. or anything like that. But in the meantime, because they, they haven't, aside from him, they haven't had a, a good track record of integrating, you know, luchadors into New Japan. Mm-hmm. This is probably an attempt to. Hey, if we're gonna get the kid over, let's put him in the hottest group that there possibly is. And the gimmick works because obviously Los Ingranables originated in Mexico. Who knows? Maybe this is an attempt to relaunch Los Ingranables in CMLL and get that, you know, that merch money started up again. So uh, I could see that definitely being a possibility. But if at the very least it's a vehicle to get Teton over in Japan, um, that's probably a very good thing. We had some questions here. Um, ESJ asked, Teton makes an interesting new member to LIJ. Where do you see him placed within the faction? Less Commission 7252 said, I enjoyed and loved how Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton recapped the importance of LIJ in Ryagoku, the debuts of Evil Sonata and Shingo Takagi, only to lead up with the surprise of Teton joining LIJ. Mm. With Evil being the previous member before aligning himself with Bull Club, do you guys see this as an upgrade? And Rambo and Slam Pig said, what are your thoughts on Teton joining LIJ? Is this a signal that they're leaning more into their Lucha Libre Ruta roots or just a way to get Hiromu out of having to work junior tag league? <sighs> I mean, I didn't even think about that part about like if, if, you, if you put Bushi and Teton together, then that means like Hiromu's just out of there for the tour. Um, I didn't even right. think about that. Um, they could do that. Well, a lot of the groups, too, have, like, a junior ace and then have, like, the guys underneath that are the junior tag team. Mm-hmm. And that might be what they're trying to go for here because currently they just got the two juniors and right. adding a third one kind of gives them a tag team. Yeah. Yeah, that could, that could definitely be it. Um, I mean, I like Teton. Um, I've always liked him. 
Uh, and you know, you talked about the you know the part obviously the partnership of the, over the years with between the two uh, CMLL and, and New Japan. Um, you know, like you know, I the more the better. Bring him in. Like, look, <laughs> bring Atlantis Jr. over. Bring him over. <laughs> yeah, do yeah. it. Run it. <laughs> well, you know, he, he <laughs> bring him over. The- his very first tour when he debuted the gimmick was in New Japan as part of Fantastic Mania. And that oh, was a kid. yeah, that's right. You know, I don't watch Fantastic Mania, so I, you know, I ain't only hear what well, you tell me. Jeremy I watched about it, that. and you know what yeah. we said? We were like, I don't see it. How about now? <laughs> How about we were now? wrong. We were wrong. <laughs> okay, just, 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 okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this, and I think it's a good step and a, an exciting step, and, you know, that's one of the things people complain about the last couple of years. Not enough fresh, new, and exciting things happening, and yep. we've got you know, um, last thing, Gaijin's and LIJ, you know, that's yeah, a rare finally, 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 um, since Jay yeah. Lethal is the last one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, that core five, that core five that they had, like that nucleus, like that had been, you know, ever since evil left ever since, you know, so basically since, um, uh, new Japan cup two in 2020, it's been the same five. So, like, you know, they kind of yeah. need a bit of a, you know, I don't want to say a di- just a little bit of a dynamic change and see, you know, given that, like, the dude just showed up out of nowhere, like, who, you know, allegiance is and who's trusting, who's not, and if he's act- if this actually holds or if this is, like, some type of, you know, con job or whatever else. So, like, yeah, I think th- I think it gives them some intrigue, um, you know, going through, you know, these final tours of the year. Yeah. Well, uh, if you thought that was the last surprise of the night, you'd be sorely mistaken because during the intermission, we had a special presentation as President Obari came out and introduced the NJPW World TV title, um, a title that is going to be youth-focused. It will have 15-minute time limits. Does this sound familiar to you, James? You ever heard of anything like this, a youth-centered title with 15-minute <sighs> time limit matches? That's weird, right? Well, okay, so... The Stardom High Speed title is a thirty minute time limit. But nobody said high speed. Who but, said high speed? But 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 younger wrestlers that are super talented, wrestling a fast pace and basically not not some super not a top of the card like a mid card belt in like. It's your young, it's your it's basically almost like a future, like your talented future uh, wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, most of the matches do go like less than fifteen minutes. So yeah, I, I see. Yes, I see the similarities. Um, now I know that, like at this stage of the game, the high speed title that, by the way, uh, Oscar from WWE designed herself. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like Stardom bought that belt from a, a defunct Joshi promotion called Neo. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, I know it's beat up and all that kind of stuff, and it kind of has its charm for being so beat up because it's over a decade old. I still like the high speed belt design more than this belt. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's a big talking point. So this belt, they unveiled it, and it's, uh, you know, if you go online, you can look at the photos. If you're listening to this, you've probably already seen them, but uh, a lot of people are probably going to want to know what we think about this belt design. So it's, like, kind of, like, rectangular. Um, it, it just it, it, it looks, looks like, like the TV. Burger King logo. Yeah, it kind of looks like the old Burger King logo a little bit. The 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 straps are brown. That's and, why I think of the Burger King logo. <laughs> you know, I had a lot of people kind of um, – you know, reach out and be, you know, some people said we we would like this because of, you know, my interest in like old school wrestling that we had. Yeah, other people be like, you know, back to some Texarkana belt you you liked from 73. 
No I've never you. seen any belt that ever looked like this they ever look like a dinner tray? in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so people call it a dinner tray. Um, the closest thing I ever saw was like uh, the custom belt that um, that uh, God, what's his name? Brian Alvarez, his backyard. I saw that. that. I saw only. that today. He he sh- he he pulled it up um, on audio. Or no, it's on audio. You can't pull up on audio, but uh, pulled it up on video. And like tweeted it out. No, Simper Vivi tweeted it out. Like them doing Observer Live after they did the announcement, like uh, hours after, you know, like 12 hours after the show. And like, bro, the laugh I let out, because, you know, I had saw stills of it. And it was like, bro, this, this man's trolling me. Like this belt that he made back in 93, like, why does it look like an employee of the month, like, plaque? <laughs> like, that's just. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, all jokes aside, I don't hate the belt. I just think it looks gimmicky and yeah. looks kind of dated, right? Like, uh, you know, but, but like, were, I don't, but I don't saying hate like it necessarily. People were saying it's supposed to be a throwback. I'm like, to what? There's never been anything like this that ever existed. I don't know. Yeah, and, um, then you, and then you think of like um, the, I, the the IWGP Women's Belt that they that they are um, that they are you know about to you know eventually show us or whatever else. Like we already seen like the belt plates or whatever else. It looks like the the it looks like the um, Shinya belt. Two. The Shinya Hashimoto belt, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, even beyond that, let, this is something I haven't heard anybody else say, but I think it needs to be addressed. Thank God that that next title that's coming out is an IWGB title, because guess what? The last three belts that this company has introduced, New Japan, New Japan, and New Japan. How the fuck is New Japan sanctioning any titles oh, on their own? Don't do this. Where is the IWGP committee in all this? Do they know that they're being circumnavigated to have just you know i'm gonna call i'm gonna call it what they are outlaw belts outlaw belts being instituted in their in the company that they sanction josh you a boxing fan ain't you yeah is this is this not the world isn't this the king of sports it is in the king well in sports you have different commissions sanction different belts Am I am I right on this? Well, I don't like New Japan sanctioning their own shit. It just opens up too much, you know. T- it's just too much. It's not okay. right. Okay, all right. I see you. Conflict of change. interest. I see it. I see it. You're <laughs> resistant to change. Okay. <laughs> no, Fair but enough. um, Fair I mean, enough. we might. You might as well stuff like this. This title could be the FTR World TV title for all I care. It's an outlaw belt. Okay, it doesn't count. <laughs> no, but um, all jokes aside, I am excited about the prospect of what this may be because you know um granted i think that the biggest gaping hole in this company right now is the fact that they don't have a true secondary title it looks like they're trying to establish the u.s title for that purpose yeah. but yeah you know getting rid of the icy belt really hurt but especially because this especially because the belt looks so damn good too bro and that's the thing new japan used to be a, a place where every belt was like top tier and just looked incredible and i mean like the the last four belts that they've come out with this one included there's been a lot of heavy criticism about the belt designs and it kind of sucks you know so um but yeah the 15 minute time limits uh there's going to be a tournament 16 man tournament um all matches for the njpw world tv title will be aired for free on social media so Mm. i think part of the idea here is as these matches air it'll kind of open up interest to outside you know people that that are not on New Japan World maybe don't have subscriptions or access TV or whatever. So, kind of um, 
endears them to the, the greater wrestling public, which is great. Rainbow and Slam Pig said, I like the TV title as a concept. Usually it's a title that is frequently defended and tilted toward high work rate mid-card and upper mid-card guys. Do you think this is the model New Japan is going for with their TV title or something different? I wouldn't say that it's going towards mid-card or upper mid-carders. I think it's going towards, like as I mentioned, they're going towards their younger guys um, and trying to get them um, – put in a position to showcase their skills and people get, can get behind them in that way. So uh, I, I think that's more of the actual focus. Now, when it comes down to the style, like, look, man, if this, if this thing is actually a high, you know, in that, you know, in spirit, a high speed belt, <laughs> it's going to be a blast. I'm telling y'all right now, it's going to be a blast if that's the case, but we'll see. We'll see how it well, goes. Well- they're not worked exactly the same way that stardom works their high speed. It's still going to require them to tell abbreviated stories within 15 minutes time, right. even if it's, you know, quote, unquote, New Japan strong style yeah. or whatever ends up being. It is going to be fun. So I think that that's great. Um, taking a look at the brackets, though, just kind of give you an idea. Um, eight of the individuals that are in this tournament are over the age of 35. Okay, and eight of them are either 35 or younger so it's not a hundred percent a youth tournament as mm-hmm. it stands currently and it does seem to be do you think it could be just a body thing a body count thing like they need the body yeah, established but at the same time you know the never title was supposed to be a youth title when it was mm. accepted as well and it ended up becoming the Carl the Ishii, Gosh, the Ishii I'm going to hit you as hard as I can though and so mm-hmm. Who knows what this might eventually turn into, but for the time being, yeah, I think it is going to kind of facilitate a mid-card role, which is probably a good thing. Um, we already kind of answered this, but he had a comment. He said, what were they thinking with that title design? It looks like something out of Harley Race's Fever Dreams. <laughs> it does feel so 70s. It really does. Um, so I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the bracket now. Um, yeah. Oh, have you seen like this belt with like the, the straps opened? Yeah. I like it less now. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it very much at all. It's got the three the three prongs. It's big. It's bulky. Yeah. It just looks old. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of. You know, here's the thing. I kind of like the uh, NXT North American title that everyone hated because that actually did harken to earlier belt designs and kind of a vibe. This looks like. Uh, I didn't. I didn't mind that belt. It was fine for me. Uh, so, but I okay, don't like so, this. Go ahead. I just I don't like the look of this belt very much at all. I, I still don't necessarily hate it. I just like it like I just like it a smidge less than um, when I only saw the the like the front the center plate. So um, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the uh, the the field and yeah, like seeing Saber there, seeing Yoshihashi there, um, Evil. Yeah, like you know, Evil should be, always be in this TV and in this TV title thing. Like the shorter his matches, the better. So, um, you know, God bless him. But there's there's exciting names like Alex yeah. Zane is in there. They got David yep. Finley who's coming off of a career high match. Jeff Cobb, obviously. Yep. You know, um, it's gonna be fun. And then and Red Narita, who I think yep. a lot of people are already pegging to, you know, go to the finals. Yeah. Look, against. Ishii. Look, Ishii being in this is just a great idea. Right. Like, well, all, look. That's what he's been great at for, you know, the last, you know, most of the last decade. But he's right? going against Renner 
opener. So one of those two guys getting eliminated. Well, right, right. I did, but I didn't mean it as like sure. as far as him winning. I just meant as far as him being in this just is perfect. But there's also guys that have never really held singles gold who this might create an opportunity for, like Zack Sabre Jr., Great mm-hmm. Okan, mm-hmm. Yoshihashi, you yeah. know, Jeff Cobb. So uh, there's there's quite a few individuals who or even yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of people that could really benefit from being the first champion and kind of holding the the title there. So uh, Wrestling Dad 101 said, in regards to the TV title, what's the format to crown the first ever champion and who's in it? What are some wrestlers that you both would like to see in it? And the good news, we don't have to wonder because they've already announced it. So it is yep. going to be a tournament. We've got uh, Okan, Yano, Ishii, Narita, Kenta, Goto, Taichi, Sonata, Evil, Aaron Hanare, Jeff Cobb, Yoshihashi, ZSJ, Alex Zane, Kanemaru, and David Finley. And this is actually starting this week. It's going to run all the way through to the Osaka shows for the Autumn Battle Tour, ending on the big show on November 5th for the semifinals. And then the finals of the tournament will be taking January 4th, taking place January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. So we will crown our first ever NJPW World TV champion at Wrestle Kingdom 17. Okay, so um, looking at that, you kind of have to think of, of shaking out, you know, the top to bottom, like other key figures that would have uh, places on the one match, on the one show, Russell Kingdom this year, and figure out, like, how this shakes out and where could people land. So, um, you know, I could see Saber, I could see Saber getting to the final, if that's the case, right? Um, less so- I think I think it's pretty simple in my mind. I, I only see one match that just makes sense, and it's, kind of just ringing out to me and i think it's probably going to be what a lot of people pick i think we're going to end up with zach saber jr versus ren narita yeah i was thinking i was thinking that too especially considering both their connection to shibata in recent years his two quote-unquote matches that he had were with them yeah i bet you i bet you he's going to come out he's going to present the belt those two guys are going to have a barn burner that's the only match that makes sense on paper to me personally I, I, it just feels like Saber's definitely going to be in it. It just feels like it. Yeah, and I mean, if you're looking to establish a youth title with a youth movement and everything like that, I think Narita's the guy on the other side that is the perfect foil. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, you know, as more guys come back, or even, you know, face someone like Watto, they could, you know, yeah. Yeah, and you know, they, they used to have a, a youth 30 belt uh, for... Top right. guys under the right. Age of Tanahashi 30, right? and uh, Danielson had a match right over over yep. that belt, right? Yep. The only champions yep. were Tanahashi and Nakamura, but yeah, that was like a, a top prize at one point. Um, we also had a question here. American Punk Dragon said, "Oh, one quick thing: if they hit the time limit, which it sounds like they're probably going to in some cases, yeah, for the for the for the sake of the tournament, the winner will be determined by a coin flip." <laughs> <laughs> Okay. American Punk Dragon said, what did they, uh, why did they make the title the way it is? <laughs> I think we, I think we sort of already covered it. We don't really know. There, but, actually, you know. Chris Charlton did speak to this, and I know he's friends with Belts by Dan, the belt designer that's doing most of these belts. And he said that okay. the, the design was supposed to elicit um, imagery from like what television sets used to look like back in the 70s and 80s. You okay. know, so that, those kind of dimensions and proportions, that's what it, that's why it looks the way it is, which kind of makes sense. Okay. Um, Dragon Master Adam said, convince me Doki shouldn't be the first TV champion. And then he said, Doki's not in the tournament, but still. 
which I do think Doki probably should have been in this tournament. I'm surprised he would have been fun. He'd been fun because you know he's going to go try to go out there and do something crazy in like 12 minutes. Last thing, Viking Payne said, even though I think the design is horrendous, I'm cool with the new TV title. I felt the company needed something more for the younger and underutilized, underutilized guys to fight for. But with its introduction, do you think this will be the end of the KOPW trophy or does KOPW still have a place in New Japan? Is this because, you know, it got stomped out later in the show? Well, that thing's been broken many times, so... They just come I, with a new one. Throw it in yeah. buy you another. Okay. Uh, I already told Jeremy, I think that they bought, like, 200 of those things. They got them in a box <laughs> in the back. But, uh, you know, it could, there, there really probably isn't a reason to have a KOPW when the TV title exists, honestly. So I could see them phasing it out. There's that, and also, like... What are they going to do, like when it moves on from Shingo, and they got to go back to the, the the back to the bullshit, right? Right. Like, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, if that's replacing it, fine. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. And you know, I've I've never been a big fan of the KOPW trophy for many reasons. Anyway, so remember, six remember Matt, the first year for it. Oh my god, it was so horrible. Bad. So There's, bad. it's been mostly horrible so bad. until Tai Chi showed up. It's been mostly horrible. And even still, it's been like kind of, you know, mid. So it's fun. I, I so, think it's fun. It's fun. Sometimes, sometimes it's terrible. I got to watch all these shows, James, not you. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> when I see Shingo out here, these faces like, and they're doing like the, you know, the, the Tai Chi and Shingo stuff. That's why it was a blast. Watch the ELP match. That was a very good match. So, like, yeah, I, I am with you. I you, you watch more of this than me. So, I see. I, yes, yes, yes. You have more info than I do. Absolutely. So, the sixth match of the night, we had non title match action as the IWGP junior heavyweight champion, Taiji Shimori. He was defeated by Master Wato in 14 minutes and 40 seconds. Originally, Kushida was going to be in this uh, match, but he had to be replaced due to, on- due to ongoing issues with hand, foot, and mouth disease. And this has got to be one of the most surprising um, results all year. Master Wato beating Taiji Shimori clean. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Ishimori beat his ass, and then at the end, he just let him win. That's what this is all the entire That is what it was. In fact, I can't remember a time where someone got a big win and got hoed so bad all at the same time. The dude got very little offense. He won, like, by kind of like a fluke at the end. And he, then caught him, he caught him with like a fluke. Was not necessarily a ba- well, not a, a it wasn't a flat. It was crucifix. It was like a crucifix drop. It, uh, it was a crucifix and, bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then after he got the big win, instead of letting him have his just moment to shine, it didn't even have to be a long one. It could have just been a moment to shine. Right. Despi and Hiromu are in that hoe so quick. Right. And he just he just walked and he just walked away like Not so. It was like nothing mattered. And to add on to what you're saying, while they're all sharing the mic to talk about to set up this four way match, they're all like pushing him around like he's the biggest geek in the world. Yeah. I was like, I like, look, bro, they're a little bro. You so poorly right now. Like, obviously, you know, here in America, we have a recent example of. Big bro coming out here and like bullying or overstepping his boundary with a, with a younger dude that's in his like in his like uh realm or whatever else, and it got real nasty for it got it went real bad between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green when Draymond drops him with a punch. 
But like outside. Watto should have shoved all three of them and ran out the ring or something. Like they gave this, like he won the match. And ultimately, felt like, oh, he's gonna get pinned come come dome time anyway. Who gives a shit? That's you know what, what it this felt was? Like. This was Hoganism. <laughs> this was a guy, you know, not getting his just due at the end of a match, and other guys taking the shine away effectively. This was, you know, top of the line politicking is what this was. These guys came out. They knew what the agenda was. They came out here and they're like, oh, Watto won? It's free open season. Anybody can get a title match. Yeah. Oh, even on, And look, and during the match, the English commentary team of Charlton and Kelly and Romero were talking about how, like, there's gaps in Watto's game. It's inexperienced. It's the reason why he's losing. Uh, he, he got he just got a submission if he had worked over that body part earlier in the match it would have been more effective but yeah. like Watto but he but uh Ishimori was able to get out and I was like and then and then he just won and I was like well then what the fuck but you know what it what like and that might sound like oh they're be they're burying him but everything they said was, was true on the screen in front of our eyes it's I like, know he does have holes in this game. But the point but the point is you're not supposed to expose them to the fans. Even well, I if, think, even I if think, it, like you know, it's being displayed. No, to I think you. the idea was Jerichoism is like they set him up as the ultimate underdog to so because they probably knew he was gonna win, and so yeah. he did win, make it more impactful. The only problem is no one believed it. Like, even though he did win, well, it's like, hey, kind of let him You got there's something to that because at the end. Like, uh, he had got a, you know, he got momentum going towards the end before Ishimura seemed like he had snuffed him, was about to stuff him out. And then ultimately he gave him, hit him with that crucifix pin, uh, or crucifix bomb. But it seemed like, oh, you know, he, he's on a roll now. And then they actually turned around on the commentary. So, so that is something to that. But most so much of the match was Ishimori handing him out, outclassing him that it was like, oh, this ain't doing him no favors. Except for like the last two minutes of the match. Yeah, match was fine. I wasn't blown away by it. Same. Uh, I wasn't surprised by the finish either, just because you know once uh, once there wasn't any you know Kushida in there, it's like well they kind of need to audible. They need to do something here. My only thing is, and one thing I have a problem with it, it looks like based on the way everything, and we'll talk about it here in a moment, but the way everything panned out at the post match looked very much like we're getting a four way. Only problem yeah. is. Um, Desperado and Hiromu really have no like claim to stake to, you know, entitle them to a title, you know, match. It's just they happen to come out after Watto won. Yeah. If anybody other than Watto had beaten Ishimori clean in this company, had beaten Ishimori clean mm. in the fashion he did mm-hmm. at this point of the year, they'd be getting a one-on-one match at Wrestle Kingdom for the title. But because it's Watto. It leveled the playing field to the point where it's like, oh, the guy who's all the way down there got a win. We're right. all equal now. We're all e- we, we all get a title shot. So that's so Desperado came out right. Right. Then um, Hiromu came out, and I want to know like I looked at the token shop. That shirt that the Hiromu was wearing was not on the token shop. I want to know where I can like see that shirt online, potentially buy it. But anyway, Did you look at the uh, Japanese shop because they have different have not. I will. I will, I will check. Stuff. I will check. But um, so. So after after Hiromu comes out, Kevin Kelly or Charles Kimberly from One Commentary says to Rocky, "He's like, hey man, get in there. 
I fucking died. Because you can hear Rocky's like headset like moving, like rumbles if he was like, like trying he was to. Getting ready to if do he, it. If he was, yeah. It, 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 it popped me. That was great. That was great. Yeah. That's funny. So after that, we had a video package that aired showing the feud between Shingo Takagi and El Phantasmo. And we entered the first ever New Japan Who's Your Daddy match for the KOPW Pro Wrestling Trophy. And Shingo Takagi did defeat El Phantasmo 16 minutes and 6 seconds. This was a rematch of a G1 uh, match that we saw a couple months ago. And um, I liked this. The final night of... Uh, of the blocks, yeah. That's right, block final. I liked yeah. this, but not as much as the block final match. Same, same, same. Um, so. Very good match. I'd probably give it like three and a half to three and three quarters. Um, same you know, range. Him and, him and Shingo, are, they're really good together. Um, and like, it felt like this is going to continue. Obviously, they did the shirts. Um, ELP, like... He look, he put the binky in his mouth. He put the shirt on. He took the picture. It was only right for him to then, after that, get some heat back by punching Shingo in the balls and then walking off. Like so, it's not over. But like the the way it was going, I was like, he's not gonna, he put, he's not gonna put the shirt on. Oh, he put the shirt on. What is that? A, is that a pacifier? <laughs> he put the pacifier. In the, oh no! Oh no! He has to do something. He can't just let this slide. Um. So yeah, like you know. Really good heel work from um from from ELP and like Shingo's just you know Shingo Shingo he's always great. Yeah, I think these guys you know had a really good match. We saw Phantasma hit the CR two. We yep. saw Shingo hit the Made in Japan pump handle power bomb. Um, you know they they oh of- I forgot Shingo answered later on like the CR the CR two with. Like his own version of the CR three, but it was a tombstone and it was awesome. It was a Gonzo bomb, is what it was. You're right. You're right. Yeah, which I don't know if that's what he was intending to do. That's what he did. It was awesome. It was scary, but it was awesome. Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest spots of the night. Uh, yeah, but these guys went out there. They had a really great abbreviated match. You give them a little bit more time in a bigger stage. I'm sure they could do better. But uh, yeah, yeah, it looked like Shingo was uh. Yeah, he hit that super kick and it looked like he was going to go for a Styles Clash or a CR2 and then hit the Gonzo. It was really crazy. But um, ultimately, Shingo ended up putting him in the um, the uh, Cobra Twist grounded submission. Some people may know that same move from MMA as the Twister and was able to get ELP to tap out post-match. You know, a dejected ELP was made to wear the t-shirt, put in the binky and say, Shingo is my daddy and... He did get his heat back by hitting a low blow at the end of the match and then destroying the KOPW trophy. What this means for the future of the KOPW trophy, uh, I don't know because typically the title is defended all the way to the end of the year. And whoever is the champion at the end of the year is the only, because this is the provisional trophy. The real champion is crowned at the end of the year year. during during Road Road to Tokyo Dome. But I, I can't see Shingo really having a meaningful KOPW title defense between now and then. So uh, maybe this was it. Maybe he's going to – I bet you they have Yano come back and beat him right before the end of the year just to be, like, the only guy that ever actually was champion. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're done with this 
you know, come January 4th, honestly. If their idea is they need to bring Yano, Yano back, then they do need to be done with it, yes. <laughs> but um, that brings us to the next uh, match, the semifinal match of the evening, as the Rainmaker, Kazushiko Okada, he defeated Jonah with Bad Dutito and Shane Haste, 19 minutes and 53 seconds, and in my opinion, the match of the evening. Yeah, same. I agree. Yeah, this was, um, you know, a rematch of a match that took place during the G1 finals. It was one of the only losses that Okada took during the G1. And, you know, since Jonah has debuted in New Japan Strong and then made his way over to New Japan proper, he's gone undefeated uh, by pinfall or submission in any singles match. The only losses he's taken have been either tag team matches or count out victories, that sort of thing. But he has not been cleanly defeated by any individual the entire time he's been working for New Japan. And, you know, he did upset Okada with that giant, shocking, you know, splash off the top rope during uh, the G1. And all throughout this match, it was really worked in a way to where it's like Jonah's a monster. You you actually uh, mentioned to me, James, on the uh, chat, the, the group chat that we're part of, you're like, you know, Okada's out here working Hulk Hogan 1980s Monster of the Week matches. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yes. Um, I, I was, look, people, you know, a lot of people think that like their match from the G1 was like one of the five or two handfuls of best matches in the G1, um, this year. I, I thought it was, you know, I, I'd probably give it four and a quarter. I think a lot, a lot of people were thinking like four, four, like, you know, four and a half plus. That just wasn't me, but the match was a blast. And then this match is, it, it was an appropriate sequel. Um, for me, yeah. um, and I think that like the idea that like this that Okada, you know, he is just so obsessed with like you know very similar to Orange Cassidy, um, wrestling. Who was it? Uh, Ethan Page in um Detroit, like just obsessed with like there's a bigger dude in the ring, and I'm going to body slam him because like because of Hogan, right? Like this is basically <laughs> the whole thing is like I want I want my fucking Hogan moment, right? And like he build towards and he just keeps getting cut off and shut off and and then eventually he gets it. And um also like the parts when they're on the outside and he's you know he he, he works over the leg and um you know when he gets himself in trouble and he's about to get put away with a splash like Jonah can't get to the top rope fast enough because of his bad leg. And then it gives Okada enough time to escape. And then, you know, um, later it's like a situation where like, he's kind of learned, like I can't get him up dead weight. I have to have, I kind of have to catch him, use his momentum against him to actually get him up for the body slam or for the, uh, for the uh, landslide. Um, and yeah, like just, just, they just kept going back and forth and like, you know, the part where like, you know, he hit, you know, Short arm lariat slash rainmakers in succession and like it's this big dude and they're just bouncing off him and then like the um the sweat is just you know just spraying off of the arm colliding against the chest. It was just it was a blast. It was really a blast. It was really fun for 19 minutes. That was like a slow cook, slow cook towards the towards the closing right. stretch. And that closing stretch was just great. Like the last like three minutes of the match was fantastic. Um, yeah, like. And, and you know, obviously they shook hands at the end and whatever else. And Jonah's kind of gesturing like we're one and one. Let's do a third one. Like I, when they do the third one, I will be watching. This was fun as hell. Yeah, all throughout the early first part of the first half of the match, Okada's trying the regular Okadaism tactics that would typically work on any other man. But because it's Jonah, because he's a monster, it's not you know really flying. And a lot of the you know offense that Okada's 
trying to utilize on him is having little to no effect. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Jonah's, you know, demolishing this guy yep. and just, you know, Okada is, is a very underrated seller. He's a guy that really does is, is fantastic in that aspect. But around the halfway point of the match, he goes, well, you know, if I can't beat this guy, I'm going to take his fucking knee. And we've seen Okada, you know, utilize that uh, same strategy for a decade now. And it, it paid off in spades. Like you mentioned towards the tail end of the match, when Jonah was trying to go to the top rope, he was, you know, just a half second slow because the knee was compromised with all the, you know, John Boo drop kicks and everything like that. And, you know, him being able to slow down Jonah allowed Okada to utilize a lot more of his offense. We saw him hit uh, drop kicks and we saw him hit uh, the money clip sleeper hold at the 14 minute mark of the match, which was very effective. And um, at the same time, Jonah was just awesome. You know, we saw he hit an incredible um, German suplex at the release German suplex at the 16 minute mark, which was uh, a direct tie back to Anoki and, uh, Vader from the 96 Tokyo Dome show. And at one point right after that, he hit a clothesline that was such a great near fall. And you heard Rocky on the, um, on the the follow up one that the follow up after the German, it was the follow up. Yeah. He was like, Rocky was like, that was the hardest Larry I've ever seen in my life, (laughs) (laughs) which is probably not true. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jonah went up for the top rope torpedo and it looked like he had an incredible, you know, string of offense and he was ready to hit it. And, just at the very last second, Okada moved high drama and eventually yeah. like Okada's able to, you know, hit a German suplex shotgun, drop kick, stiff arm shots or uh, shots. And then he hit the landslide body slam, which is something I didn't think he could actually land on Jonah, which was pretty awesome. And then hit him with the rainmaker clothesline, got the one, two, three, an excellent, excellent match. I went probably like four and a quarter. I'd probably go like, Four and a third, though, if I'm being realistic, four point three 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 repeating. I, I I I'm safe with going um four and a quarter. Um, because you know obviously like with Jonah, like for him to go to 19 minutes, like you have to pace it out really slow at the beginning. So and it was slow. Yeah, yeah. Well, like like you mentioned, like he just just you know, but it's Okada, so it's like he's built the he look. Time is nothing to him. He he knows how to he knows how to get through you know. 10 minute hell we've seen we've seen class where he'll it feels like he's giving you enough for 20 minutes um and then he turns it on so yeah uh i you know great match and um like i gotta say when when it comes to him or when it comes to jonah like that splash is over like the building changes it's awesome that build the like the sound in the building just changes and it, you're not, you know there's legally not allowed to make noise still right but like like just the this this the awe and the ooh of oh my god this dude's about to hit this top row splash like once he gets 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 himself out to the apron it's, it's already happening yeah man that that thing is over that thing well, I mean, is when over you think about, like big men coming off the top rope you got like the vader salt yeah you know and then you got Bam Bam Bigelow hitting, you know, he hit a moonsault, he hit a, you know, top rope headbutt, but I can't really think of too many big guys in that, you know, size bracket that do stuff off the top rope, really. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's Brock Lesnar hitting, uh, you know, press. shooting star presses, but a lot of that was, you know, prior to WrestleMania 19 was, mm-hmm. you know, dark matches and, um, you know, there's the fabled you know, big show coming off the top rope, hitting drop kicks and shit, but we never seen it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can see why it's over, but the main event of the evening, the IWGP world heavyweight title 
was on the line as Jay White with Gato defeated Tamatonga with Jado, 31 minutes and seven seconds. And this was also, again, a rematch of the G1 B block finals. And uh, on that evening, Tamatonga had defeated Jay White. Jay White got his revenge here. I do feel like as good as this match was, and I thought it was pretty good, 31 minutes and seven seconds was a little bit too long for my taste for this particular show in this particular matchup. Still thought the match was really great, but um, with, with, you know, and this is kind of what it always is when it comes to the Sumo Hall October show, you ne- you always pretty much assume that the champion is locked in for Wrestle Kingdom. There just wasn't enough drama for me to ever believe Tamatong was actually beating Jay White. And for that reason, brought the match down just a tad bit, plus the the style, the pace that the matches worked. It, it wasn't, I'm probably like three and three quarters on this. I thought it was still a very good match, but not the best world title match I've seen this year. Yeah, um, I had the same rating. Um, lots of very good stuff, at times even great, but just the the time the run time which is way too much um and you know like jay in, in the main event like he he'll overindulge and go longer than he should it, it's just been a thing like that dude is meant to be in wwe and with triple h booking him he's just meant to happen like, <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry he's meant to be going over there going too long and like you know he wrestles that americanized style and obviously you know he's in there with with tom and tom as a baby face works a very you know, traditional white meat baby face style, like fiery guy, you know, builds towards nice comebacks and all that kind of stuff in the traditional sense, gets the crowd into it with the claps and all that stuff to set up his finisher, all that, like, you know. But anyway, um, yeah, good callbacks to their match. The thing for me was um, when they got to the end and um, I believe it was this, the, the, the sleeper German, the snap sleeper German that, uh, mm-hmm. that Jay White does, or I can't I think it was that, that put him down. It was like, okay, this is time to set it up and end it. And then he goes and does the, you know, he, the mocking Tama with the slow clap thing that him and Jado do. So he did it with Gato. And I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen. He's going to go for it. He's going to go for it. And this is when he finally catches the, 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 the gun stun. And sure enough, just like clockwork, Gun Gunstone kicks out at three, and then he just proceeds to finish him off from there, uh, or not finish him off, but like has the clear advantage and it waits for you know, in Jay White fashion, waits for the dude to make a mistake, and then goes into a counter to into the switchblade. And I was like, all right, man, like this match should have wrapped up by now. Um, but yeah, you know, whatever. Still, like at worst, at worst, three or three quarters. Like, I still think in I liked act- the last five to six minutes, mm-hmm. regardless. Uh, you know that kind of started with uh, white hitting the flat liner and the deadlift German suplex. And then he couldn't hit the blade runner. And then, you know, Tam ended up hitting the gun stun and everything that kind of followed that was in my uh, opinion, pretty great. It's just, yeah. there was a little bit of too much fluff in between. I yeah. Mean, Ref bump makes you roll your eyes too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things where both guys kind of have a reputation as being like, um, like uh, defensive wrestlers, guys that can counter wrestle and mm-hmm. catch guys in compromised positions. And, you know, I, it kind of reminds me in a certain way of like when Floyd Mayweather fought like um, uh, Marquez and both guys were counter fighters. Anytime you have two counter fighters fight, it requires one of them to come forward and be the aggressor and come out of their, you know, regular space. And that's sort of what this sort of felt like. They didn't feel like the most comfortable um, 
And and truth be told, as good as the first match was, I didn't think it was blow away either. So I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of this pairing anyways. Mm-hmm. But at least in the first match, there was the, the, the whole build and the drama of the Bullet Club implosion and their betrayal and everything like that. Yeah. This one kind of felt like it was just a little bit more tacked down. We already got the payoff and we knew that uh, we knew the result before we before the belly meringue. Right. And Tama and, and then again, like you mentioned, I think they just went kind of past the peak. I think they worked yeah. the finish great. But by the time it was over, it was like, you know, Tama Tonga wasn't gonna win. Even when he hit the gun stun, that should have been like a really believable finish because he beats everybody with that. And mm-hmm. I knew I knew Jay Wyatt was kicking out. Right. I mean, so, look, 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 to be fair, that's us being super wrestler nerd because the crowd absolutely bought it. And, you know, sure. that so like, you know, to be fair, to give it credit, like it worked for the mo- majority of people that was in the building watching it. So it, but for me, I just knew awesome. I, you, I already knew what it was. And yeah. you saying for you. Right. So but ultimately, Jay White picks up the win here. You know, a dejected Tamatanga goes to the back and then. As Jay White is cutting a promo, we get Kazushiko Okada into the ring. These guys, these two guys go face-to-face. Uh, Chris Charlton did a great job with the uh, um, translation for Okada, and it becomes very clear that come January 4th, we are getting IWGP World Champion Jay White versus the G1 Tournament winner Kazushiko Okada. I'm sorry. Do you see that match graphic? It is the... It is the- uh, G1 Climax 32 winner Kazuchika Okada versus the IWGP champion Jay White. <laughs> like they, they did the full on like John Cena challenging for a title thing from like a decade ago, like match graphic. Like it was funny. Like it was Do like, they yeah. have them positioned wrong or something. I've never. Okay. So generally speaking, when you see title matches like right. announced or ma- on match graphics, you have champion and then challenger. And then challenger. Okay. And this one, it was challenger and then champion. And the only time you really ever see that is in like, <laughs> The the challenger who's like the, is a is the ace or something like that. That's normally the only time you see those exceptions. I and like you know, I, I don't that. think I've ever I don't think I I can't recall ever seeing that for a New Japan match graphic. But like that was the kind of stuff you see happening like the presentation of John Cena. And he'd be like, okay, we get it, man. Well, well, at least it's not as bad as like remember when um uh freaking Big E was the WWE champion and then the match graphic for that five way was like he was him like, and all the other goons in the back and then in the middle superimposed is just Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. That was bad. That was bad. Yeah. But that's going to wrap it up for the show. My, the only, my only final uh, parting thoughts are, I thought the show was great top to bottom. Um, You know, I didn't think that there was any true blow away, you know, match of the year contenders, even though there were definitely those online who were trying to imply that the top two or three matches were in that range. I didn't see it that way, Same, but it was a, a super quality show, and because of not just the fact that we had good wrestling at the top, but also all the surprises, and there's a lot of story elements, Yeah, it, it felt like a very worthwhile Sumo Hall show for me. Yeah, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, like this is clearly like they're clearly now on the road towards the, t- towards the Dome, so yeah, that was fun. Nice. Uh, the next morning, we had the Wrestle Kingdom 17 press conference. Um, the short bullet points basically are that they've announced three matches official for that show, so we will be getting the NJPW World Television Title Tournament Final at Wrestle Kingdom 17 on January 4th. As well, there is a go- there's going to be a four-way match for the junior title between Ishimori, Master Wato, Hiromu Takahashi, and Desperado. 
Uh, and then finally, the world title match is set between Jay White and Okada. So coming up this week, we have three nights of Autumn Battle Tour shows uh, on Friday, October 14th. Saturday, October 15th, both of those shows will be emanating from uh, Cork and Hall in Tokyo. And then night three, which is a cheering show, that's Sunday, October 16th, will be taking place from Aori Nagaoka uh, from Nagita. Nagaoka. Nagaoka. See, James is like watching more Joshi than me. So, like, <laughs> he, he knows all these, like, town hall, like, all these names. There but, was uh, a stardom, like, C level pay per view there, like, in February, I believe. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of the cards just to kind of save some time, but the, the the main point is the uh, World Television title tournament is going to be taking place during these shows. So on Friday at the top of the card, we got Kanemaru versus David Finley and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Alex Zane, which that ZSJ versus Zane match should be awesome. Uh, night two on October 15th, Evil versus Aaron Hanare. That's a rematch from uh, the G1 this past year. Yep. And then Yoshihashi versus Jeff Cobb. And I'm hoping Aaron Hanare picks up the win there, actually. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, not just because it's Evil, but also because, you know, Hanare's never really, like, progressed in a tournament like that. So That's true. And then uh, night three, which will be the cheering crowd, which I'm assuming is going to be a little bit of a bigger show. Kenta versus Goto. Which those matches are always hard hitting and awesome, yeah. and then Tai Chi and Sonata, which you know all the history of those two guys. That's going to be very very fun. That's the main event. So uh, we have that to look forward to this coming week. Let's jump into NJPW Strong now, James. I know you didn't watch this week's show, mm-hmm. but I got to tell you, it was one of the better uh, Strongs that we've had in a while. They've kind of went through a lull through the last couple tours. But uh, they were coming from Las Vegas in Samstown, and uh, this is Autumn Action Night One. Um, we had Shota Umino as he pinned QT Marshall, 10 minutes and 12 seconds. This is kind of the blow off to the Shota Umino versus factory feud that's sort of been brewing over the past couple weeks and months. Um, nothing really great there, but, you know, Shota Umino, he definitely looks like, you know, future ace potential, potent, you know, sort of thing. So good match. Good to hear. After, after that, we had Team Filthy uh, come out. That was the... Uh, Danny Limelight, as well as Jared Kratos, and they complained that they were not included in the strong openweight tag team tournament, and they want their opportunity against the champions, Aussie Open. Aussie Open came out, held up the, be- the belt, so it looks like we will be getting a match between those two teams in the near future. Um, second match of the night, Ren Narita had called out Juice Robinson on social media uh, because he felt betrayed by Juice, who was a leader of Hantai, and turn his back to go the evil way with Bull Club. And so they set this match, and Renarito, this is going to essentially be the send-off match for him to return to New Japan proper. Mm-hmm. And as he was making his entrance, Juice comes out, blasts this dude, beats his ass, drags him all around ringside, hits him into the post, hits him with the ring bell, shoves the referee, shoves all the officials. Juice showed so much fire in this. This is the juice that should have showed up at AEW a few weeks ago. This guy was awesome. <laughs> and Brent Arita won this year. Oh, so much better than almost anything he did in the G1, honestly. And Brent better, better than the Finley match? Not better than the Finley match. Okay. But as far as his performance. individual performance gotcha. as, like a, gotcha. as, as looking like a guy, yes. Mm, okay. And Brent Arita do, does a gnarly blade job and is just gushing just gushing everywhere and um 
you know, they got all they, they got all the goons from the back, you know, trying to help Ren Narita. There's literally girls in the like audience who are like, you can see them holding themselves and just like crying. They're so concerned <laughs> for a little Ren Narita. Worked. Worked. Yeah. And then um Juice gets on the mic and he's like, I can see this going one of two ways. You could either uh, you know, walk to the back right now after I because they threw the match out. And he's like, You can walk to the back right now. Tell your daddy Shibata in the dojo while you're washing his balls how bad Juice Robinson beat your ass and how you should have never called out Juice Robinson. Or you can tell the referee that you want some more. Come in here, make it a, a no DQ match, and then I'll really end you. And so, like, that just fired up Renarita. He he says he wants to continue. The referee starts the match, and Renarita takes the, the beating of a lifetime. Like, this was crazy. Like, he's bleeding everywhere. Super compelling. Juice Ooh. tries every single trick, tables, chairs, every. I mean, it was it was awesome. But as the match progressed, Renarita starts, you know, utilizing his strong style, his stiff kicks, his elbow strikes, and um, down towards the tail end. Uh, Juice, he tried every single finisher. Nothing could put this guy away. He sets up hmm. the table, goes to the top. Looks like he's gonna, you know, put him through a table off the top rope. And Renarita reverses that, puts him in a chokehold, gets him down to the ground, and then uh, puts him – I don't even know the name of this move. But basically, it's the same move that we've seen Shibata use in the past where he's riding the guy's back and he pulls both arms back and, you know, hyperextends them into a Ooh. double arm bar. Okay. And, and Juice taps out, you know. Wow. And, and that's it. Yeah, and so Renarita picks up the, the big win over Juice. I can see why Juice might be want to – you know, leave New Japan and be a free, you know, free agent at this point. I can't win somebody sitting off match out of strong. What the fuck? Young Lions on strong. So, (laughs) but I will say this. um, If you didn't see this match, big recommend. It's not the greatest match in the world, but from a storytelling element, high drama. I mean, this was incredible stuff. And this is the way you send the guy off from his excursion Mm, to go back to Japan. So really, really awesome. I probably go about four stars. Okay. Okay. And then the main event, we had Jay White and Carl Anderson. They pinned Homicide and Wheeler, Utah, 14 minutes and 35 seconds. The big story of the match was that in the midst of all the uh, confusion, we had Filthy Tom Waller on um, commentary, and Homicide got knocked into the, the commentary booth. Him and Tom Waller start going at it. They, they've got beef, and down the tail stretch, Tom Waller decides to get involved in the match, distract Homicide. Jay White hits him with the Blade Runner, one, two, three, and we're off from there. At the end of the match, we end up with Team Filthy and Bull Club just running roughshod over all the, the, the baby faces. And Jay White proceeds to cut a promo where he talks about Eddie Kingston not making the date. I guess Eddie Kingston probably something happened and he was probably planned to be at that Sam Sam taping to wrestle Jay White and was unable to make it. And he just buries the guy, talks a bunch of shit, talks about how he Eddie Kingston proclaims himself to be this, you know, New Japan or this Japanese wrestling aficionado, and he loves all these legends of Japanese wrestling. Well, he had an opportunity to wrestle wrestle the greatest legend in the history of Japanese wrestling, Jay White, and he missed the date. And you know, talked about how he might show up in New York and he might, you know, teach a lesson to uh, to one Eddie Kingston. So it sounds like they're probably rumble on forty fourth. Probably okay. Probably what's happening here. Okay. Next week, uh, we have uh, Strong Autumn Action Night 2, Doc Gallus versus Shea Cabrera. The Strong Openweight Tag Team titles are on the line as Aussie Open defend against Team Filthy. And then the main event, still airing, the 
NJPW Strong Openweight Championship, Fred Rosser defends against Chris Dickinson, surprisingly. So, mm. yep. We've talked about it on the show quite extensively, so we don't have to discuss it, but we will move okay. on. So, in the news here, we've already talked about the TV title. Uh, the big story coming out of this week was the Good Brothers signing with WWE and appearing on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> while Carl Anderson, while they're still members of the Bull Club, and Carl Anderson is still the reigning never openweight champion. He just beat Tanahashi last month. And, um, you know, we, we are building to a match between Carl Anderson and Hikaleo for the never title. I, I, I initially assumed that we're not getting that match. And this was Alberto Del Rio ism. <laughs> where he came, he came in as the mega champion and then just vacated it, you know, but, uh, according to reports, the never title match is still happening and the good brothers are still fulfilling their, wwe dates yeah but uh yeah kind of wild you got a, a iwgp champion or a, you know a new japan champion working in wwe right now yeah uh for ben Dor- yeah so um last night when i heard of the news of gallows anderson showing up back up in wwe because you know earlier the news that broke that like they were going to return and they showed up that day like while doing the show live like i was under just something like they just you know Left New Japan high and dry without you know without the belt being you know dropped right. or whatever else. So I was you know that was what I was working on that presumption. But you know I listened to Observer Live, I'm sorry Observer Radio, and um, Meltzer said that he was under the impression that like he's going to come back and you know you know do the do the right thing for business. And I was like okay cool. And that's all I think it's also cool that like WWE is now at the point where it's like someone has commitments or whatever else you let them fulfill their commitments before they come in. And you know, that always kind of was the case when people, before people came showed up to NXT. So see that kind of carried over on the, you know, for the main roster, now that triple H is um, in charge, like good to hear. Art of, I kind of feel like, you know, we were anticipating the legendary new Japan, Carl Anderson to show up and wrestle Tanahashi, you know, and that uh-huh. didn't happen. Now I'm feeling like this guy was, hot dogging it and you know taking it easy because he didn't want to get injured before he you know showed up in wwe essentially <laughs> look um people were talking about how he, he didn't put in very much effort i could see why he he had a payday waiting for him on the other side look are these guys you... gonna be they gotta go into the jeff jarrett you know Not you too. they gotta go into the <laughs> finesse hall of fame they have to okay the hall of fame okay so not just like uh, being nominated this year they gotta well, be nominated they... I said on the show last night, I'll say it again here, like, I don't think anybody, you know, back in the day, we had people that were handlers or managers or roadies, more or less, or, or the drive driver person or, like, the drug holder. It made sense for people to still kind of, like, get, get you know, through cronyism, get jobs in, in the rest of business. But at this point, like, with AJ Styles, super religious AJ Styles, and like the young bucks being like the reason why these dudes keep getting hired. Like I, I've never heard of like somebody getting all this just for being a person that that keeps the, the the monster energy drinks cold. It's wild to me. It really is. But you know, congratulations to them and all the money they're making. I can't call it success, but all the money they're making. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Um, Rambo, Rambo and Slam Pig said, "With the benefit of hindsight, was putting the Never Title on Carl Anderson the worst booking decision of this year? If not, what was?" ESJ said, "What are your thoughts on Carl Anderson showing up in WWE?" Viking Pain says, 
do you guys think it was a mistake for New Japan to take the never title off a white hot Tamatanga and give it to a guy not under contract now or will potentially using Carl Anderson to put over a stronger guy like Hikaleo be the better move overall? And uh, the Dark Soldier said, is it me or did Carl Anderson have one of the most worthless never title reigns ever in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling? <laughs> Nail on his hand. Um, okay, so... It's New Japan. Like, they have people they have relationships with through Rocky or through Gato or Injado and whoever else. And, like, for the most part, people have held up to these commitments. Um, so, you know, working with or without a contract or working to an agreed amount of dates or whatever else, like, that's the case for, like, most of the gaijin, right? That, like, aren't, like, exclusively, like, through the dojo system. So, I don't really have... Um, much of a thing of saying like there's some disaster that they need to overhaul or their whole thing like is worked out, out you know aside from this exception of just recently just now for a while now so i'm not going to say like they need to change up everything um now as far as like uh, you know um how well his uh never heavyweight or never title openweight title reign went like i can't really speak to that much like you would have to you have to tell me what you think of it it was terrible. He he won the title, didn't mm-hmm. defend it almost mm-hmm. the entire time, and he had one match with Tanahashi. Which that is true. It's, it's Tanahashi, and that should be great, and yes. it sucked. That's it. That's all he did. He had one bad match with Tanahashi, and oh, he didn't oh. defend for months and months. Okay, so I knew everything, and I did not. I didn't know that I knew everything. So okay, then. <laughs> There's nothing like, to yes, know I'm with you. It, it was sucked. it was bad. It was bad. And he talked about the cash about like he doesn't he didn't try to impact and then lo and behold he got a match with Tanahashi and didn't do much trying or trying hard uh, and now he's in WWE where he also probably won't try hard either so look run, whatever run. man <laughs> he, look everybody's in Russell for different reasons he at this point in this stage of the career he's in he's here to make it money. out he Kevin he Nashism won. he won outsidersism yeah it, depending it, on what you want out of this business. And seeming right. what we know about him, he won. Congrats. You got these dudes trying to go back to WWE so they could work more dates. This dude's trying to work the least amount of dates, make the most amount of money in the most amount of places he possibly can with the least amount of talent that he possibly can and, and effort he can put forward. Yeah. He, he, he went, he's a winner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Grunty Dodd said, I'm sure you'll talk about the rumors of the Good Brothers leaving for WWE. Which of these is the less desirable outcome? A. Carl Anderson doesn't job on the way out and throws the never title in the trash on Raw. B, the rumors are false and the Good Brothers stay in NJPW for another year. That would be the so instead of them worse. putting instead of them putting the title in the trash on Raw, it'd be worse for them to just stay in the company and keep working. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. Oh, that's funny. Um, Hawaiian Punch BV, last thing here, said, do you think that Hikaleo's chokeslam on show had Carl Anderson so shook that he ran back to the play? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I would say no because you got to remember, like, that is a coordinated effort. So, like, to go up that high, you also have to, like, you know, jump as well with it. Like, so... Carl Anderson, he's not going up. He's not going up with that kind of uh, enthusiasm. If you if you catch my drift, so yeah, yeah. But in the light of all this, there've been some um, different reports and more so rumors that have kind of just been uh, bandied about all over like Twitter and social media. So 
obviously with uh, these guys from New Japan signing with WWE and coming in and being allowed to honor their dates uh, supposedly in WWE. And at the same time, you have the upcoming Noah dates where Sting is going to be working, uh, you know, who's a contracted wrestler in AEW. He's working with Noah. Um, there are the rumors that the NJPW, AEW, Forbidden Door, you know, partnership, that's donezo. And now we may potentially be seeing New Japan and WWE working together and Noah and AEW working together. I personally don't prescribe to that at all, but there obviously are some, even if it's just, you know, transactional small deals, mm-hmm. there are definitely some sort of deals in place between New Japan and WWE and no NAW, which a lot of people probably didn't expect that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I know a lot of people are trying to make more out of this than it probably is. I don't think based on Gato and Tony Khan just recently meeting two weeks ago backstage and working out plans for John Moxley and others right. that their, their relationships anywhere near done, but you know, what are your thoughts on, on these uh, developments? I'm kind of in the same camp. You, you are, um, now, as far as, you know, when Sting, you know, shows up for, is it, is it for the final show? Cause the final show isn't, isn't even the Budokan Hall show they're doing all It's not one. the final show. It's, it's the February. Final, I don't know because there's so many dates with this fucking, you know, with his go home tour with his final tour for him. Yeah. It's been going on since like, you know, months ago. Yeah. It's supposed to be the final great Muda match. Okay. I believe. Okay, so uh, never mind. Like, I don't know when it's gonna show up. All I want to know is, like, will Ninja Mac be in the building when <laughs> Sting is there, and then he see, and then Sting sees Ninja Mac, and then Sting comes back and reports to the kind. Hey, you need to get this fucking guy. I know you already know who he is. I see him. He's awesome. You need to bring him in here to work Darby or, or something or whatever else. Like, that's if, if they're going to be a a Noah partnership, like. You know who I want to see? I want to see Kasika Nakajima. I want to see Go Shiyazaki. I want to see Kino. Uh, I want to see Kaito Kiyomiya. Uh, sorry? Fujita. I do not Sakuraba. want to see Fujita. Fujita's the next, Fujita's the next challenger for, uh, for the uh, GHC. I'm just disgusted. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, like, I want to see Ninja Mac. Right, like that's what right. I, I, I want to see. Like, if he comes through, if he if he comes, look, he's getting over the first night. You you know this. He's getting over the first night. Like when he comes out here and he in like for his big match in, in New Japan, he comes out here and he hits like a freaking uh, uh, Phoenix splashing uh, six thirty. You're gonna be like, what? people are gonna be like, what the fuck is this? Like, so well, you yeah, know, you know, TK had an opportunity to utilize Ninja Mac WrestleMania weekend. He put him in that match with Brian Cage, and Brian Cage jobbed the fuck out of him at uh, the ROH show. Look, I, I did not know that. But <laughs> Ninja Max, Ninja Max profile is to my in my opinion. Bro, like, seeing him in Noah, like his like he seems more legitimate than just him doing the GCA. Well, GCW it was stuff. embarrassing to me, and he's in better shape now too. Yeah, it was embarrassing to me because you know my girlfriend she likes the flippy wrestling, and so I was like, you you got to see this guy Ninja Mac. He is incredible. You're gonna love him. He's right up your alley. And so we're watching the show, and he didn't do anything cool, mm. and he got jobbed. And then, mm. and then, and then, so then I look like a fool. Thanks, right. Tony. Khan. So no, yeah, see, see, <laughs> couple, a uh, couple notes on uh, these rumors. Kind of funny. Hawaiian Punch BB said, with all the potential talk of this WWE synergy, what do you think is the most realistic scenario? Can you book something crazy that will never happen? 
How would you feel if after the Wrestle Kingdom main event, no chance blared out of the speakers and a Vince McMahon-led stable with a bunch of lesser-used WWE guys and Carl Fredericks as their ace made their way to ringside? Uh, why don't you throw in vampires and werewolves too while we're at it? What the fuck? <laughs> Viking Pain said, Are you guys ready to see Obari shout, It was me, Tony. It was me all along on an episode of Raw and NJPW stars acknowledging the tribal chief on SmackDown, LOL. But New Japan's official Twitter account did acknowledge the Good Brothers appearing on Raw and even retweeted it. So, what kind of deal do you think? Hunter made with New Japan. I assume it wasn't a working relationship, but you never know. I, I wouldn't. I, I can't even begin to speculate. Like you know, because they've been so you know um, closed off for so long that it's hard. To, you know, aside of like outside like involved, like what what else have they ever really done right. in like recent years? It, it, these are totally different regimes. Just generally, especially yeah. WWE, we don't know yeah. what is going to happen moving forward. Yeah. Um, I think that there have been a few positive signs in the past that Triple H is willing to play ball and potentially work with other companies, provided it made business sense for them to do so. But And, uh, and New Japan is not nearly the threat to US to the U.S. that they were like four years ago, five years ago. Even when they were, they brought in Liger to NXT, so you just never know. Yeah, But I don't think they have a working relationship. And even if they did, that doesn't necessarily mean that they wouldn't continue to work with AEW. AEW right. shown, um, you know, in their track record, a willingness to work with outside companies who are also working with other perceived, you know, threats from other companies. So, yeah. uh, you know, none of this really changes anything in my mind as of now. But um, and as far as the Twitter account, I saw a lot of people putting a lot of stock in New Japan world's like twitter tweeting you know retweeting stuff bro that's a fucking unhinged twitter account they they retweet and like stuff that you're like what are they doing all the time so i really don't put a lot of stock in that right now at all okay anyways uh other bits of news we've got the iwgp women's title brackets that were announced the other week we forgot to make mention of it. i'm glad you're here james because you can give us just a teeny tiny breakdown but uh okay we had uh, the announcement that on the October 22nd and October 23rd shows for Stardom that we would be getting the payoff for the uh, the Stardom side of the bracket. And the announcements were that Kyrie would be entering the tournament and taking on the winner of the Royal Quest Tour. If you don't want to know who it is, maybe skip I already forward know a couple who it seconds. Is. I already know who it is. Like, I didn't even have to know who it was to know who it was. It was Alpha right. Females, Jazzy Gabbard. Yeah. Right. And then, I also heard um, that match stunk that she had at a Royals Quest, like the singles match. Well, we don't know. We got to make tape first. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> if you look at a cage match for FTR versus uh, Aussie Open, it's not necessarily a thing where things have to make tape anymore. Now, do they? <laughs> now that match is taking place October twenty third, and um, the winner of that match is going to face off between these four women. So we've got Mayu Iwatani and Momo Watanabe. Uh, wrestling, and then the winner of that match will face the winner of uh, Utami Hayashishta and Good job. Nameka. Good well, job. I listen to One Nation Radio, so <laughs> I know Come the on. names. Uh, okay. If you show me, like, here's how bad it is. When the pictures came out, uh-huh. I had no clue who they were except for Blonde Mayu. And I okay. didn't know the rest of them. 
but I know the names of the girls. And okay. I kind of have an inkling of who's in. I know kind of what's going on, but no, I don't. But the, I don't know their faces. But the thing is, like, once you see Utami Hashista's like name spelt, you're like, okay, it's because it's it looks. You know, obviously, you, a lot of the Japanese names like they have uh, the way they're pronounced and like how they're spelt. Like, it seems like when you pronounce them, like you eat some like last last vowels. So like her, you know, looking at it on paper, it's like it's Hayashishita. Or sorry, Hayashishita. I'm so used to saying her name, nor like actually said it, just avoiding it. Like, like similar to how you eat like uh, the U in, uh, in in Kazuchika, right? Mm, yeah. It, or what? But whatever. Uh, or the I in um, in Kazuchika. But whatever. Like, um, as far as uh, Mayu, Mayu is. You know, only wrestler has been with the company the entire time. She is like in the Tanahashi role of of uh, a stardom is like the old ace. She's one of the only two people to ever uh, be the white belt champion twice, and the red belt champion, the other being Io Shirai. Y'all, I'm sure y'all know who that is. Um, uh, you know, she's now right now is the uh, like the, the SWA uh, champion. That is more or less the Gaijin belt. Like uh, the rules of that belt are, you're only allowed to. Um, defended against people that are from a different nationality or ethnicity than you. Um, and like, you know, she's not in the title picture right now. So this seems like the thing she's doing. Also, you look at the card that's set up for historic crossover. She's not in an announced match yet. Mm. Um, as far and uh, she's facing Momo Watanabe. Momo and Mayu have a history of, of great matches throughout my time watching stardom from 2018 to, um, I wouldn't say this year, but like from to last year, like they're, you know, they normally have the best, ma- some of the best matches in the Grand Prix, um, Red Belt uh, title match in January 2019 that, or to, uh, 2020 from the anniversary show that year that was off the charts. Um, great chemistry, two of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, Momo is a hill now. She's an Oedotai. She's a terrorist. Um, and Momo beat her um, in the Grand Prix this year. Um, so I'm assuming Mayu is going to get her win back here. Um, on the other, bra- the other bracket, you mentioned uh, Utami Hashishta versus Hameka, two power wrestlers. Um, the mm. premier power wrestler in stardom versus the the, the, the biggest giant in the company. Um, they had a great match in the Grand Prix this year where Hameka ended up on top. They also have history of dating back to when um, the final of the 2020 Grand Prix where they faced off um, with Tommy Best her then. Uh, and this year's tournament, they had a um, a great match in Hameka won. I'm assuming that I, I, I actually kind of up for grabs. I kind of would have would like it to see Utami um, get her win back here. Uh, she's kind of in a Adam Page type of role this year, where like she was just all time, or she was a great cha- defending champion, right? And then like they took it off her, and she's down cycled, and like she, there's not really much going for her. I like to get get her some momentum, um, and see her, see, you know, get her something into going into the um the end of, end of year show at uh, Sumo Hall, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but either way, going to be from the Japanese domestic bracket, like two, three great matches probably. Nice. Well. Coming out of those shows on 1022 and 1023, we'll have the finals set. I'm assuming, just my guess, I'm assuming for Western audience to be more familiar with everything and, and storyline and make it a major match, I think they're probably going to just end up doing Kyrie and Mayu. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And that will end up being on the uh, historic crossover show. But uh, yep. it's going to be interesting to see what takes place between now and then. Um 
Other news, we have uh, everyone's wondering when Royal Quest is going to be coming out. There was an update from Kevin Kelly where he said that uh, he and Chris Charlton would be recording their commentary between 10.12 and 10.13. So that should be coming out this week, I'm assuming. Um, okay. You know, cheering crowds have uh, – there have been cheering shows added to the Autumn Battle as well as Tag League Tours for the Autumn Battle Tour. There have been four dates that have been added. You can find those online. And then for the Tag League Tour, out of the 17 shows, 10 of them are going to be cheering shows, including the finals. So that's a pretty good step in the right direction. I'm still hoping that we get some sort of update for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you know, unfortunately, this Declaration of Power Sumo Hall show did not have cheering, but it uh, looks like we're moving more towards that day by day. By day. Um, other news, Autumn Battle, um, the, the big show in Osaka on November the 5th, uh, Aussie Open will be making their debut for New Japan in New Japan proper uh, against two, TBD at that point. Um, also, the TV title semifinals will be on that show, and they also announced that there will be a random draw junior tag team match for the four men involved in the junior title picture at Wrestle Kingdom. So, going to get some sort of uh, you know strange bedfellows type match you yep. know, for a tag team match there. John Moxley was signed to a five-year extension this past week with AEW, uh, which is interesting because he they specifically mentioned New Japan as being one of their partners that he'll continue to work with in the future moving forward. It looks like uh, after this weekend, he dropped the GCW title, and it looks like he's probably not going to be working very many more, if any, independent dates, but he will still be working New Japan moving forward. And it's kind of a wonder. They, they put the title on this dude as a free agent. He could have Pulled a Carl Anderson, gone to WWE or something like that. Yep. But he did. So uh, we look forward to seeing John Moxley in the Cerulean Blue uh, a bit more. Wrestle Kingdom 17 tickets went on sale this past week. Uh, they are available now. So if you want to attend uh, Wrestle Kingdom, tickets are available. Uh, they made the announcement, New Japan Global did, October 27th, the night before Rumble on 44th Street. There will be a show called The Night Before Rumble on 44th Street. It will be a mystery vortex style show. If you don't know what that is, it means that the card will not be announced. You'll show up and get a, a bevy of surprises. There will be surprise appearances. Uh, it's a bit of a spoiler, but they put they put graphics up with silhouettes of darkened you know characters, and it looks very much like one of them is Bobby Fish, and one of them is probably Amazing Red because they used the same renders from when they were in New Japan from years ago. Um, I posted, I literally posted the poster with those renders cut uh-huh. out showing that it's li- like a one for one copy mm-hmm. and people are like, how dare you? And I was like, it's like, there's like a thousand people going to this show, man. How like, do you remember a Bobby Fish render from like 2000, what, 17? I didn't. I just asked people who they thought it was. And then I looked up, uh, the, I just Googled okay. the render and I was like, that's definitely him. Okay. But there's, there's still one at the top, and it looks like it might be Moxley, but it's hard to tell who it is. They're either wearing a jacket or a towel or have a title belt. It's hard to tell. No one's been able to figure out who that one is, but it's in between Jay White and like Okada. So it's a big name, whoever it is. So mm. um, along with that show, if you do um, attend, they have a special giveaway. If you wear a costume for the night, you'll receive a special complimentary card from New Japan. Um, these shows will be airing on Fight TV as part of pay-per-view package. The first night is like $15. The next night is like $25. But if you buy both of them as a bundle, it's $30, which is a pretty okay deal, I suppose. 
Uh, I'll end up buying it because I know there's a starting match or two is going to be on the freaking thing, and I'm a mark for, for that, so yeah. Yeah, and I would assume the night Terrible. before, since it's a Halloween-themed it's show, you'll probably, you'll probably see wrestlers showing up in like costumes and doing goofy gimmicks and stuff like that, I'd assume. <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> that's what they do in Japan. Like There was the one time Kenny like wrestled as a Jasmine from um from Aladdin. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, yeah. yeah. This coming week, <laughs> NJPW Showdown uh, is taking place at the Vermont in Hollywood uh, on October 16th. Some of the announced matches, and this they look really good, actually. Rocky Romero versus Christopher Daniels. Uh, Blake Christian and um, Mascara Dorada versus ELP and uh, Chris Bay. Homicide versus Tom Lawler, or, or, yeah, Filthy Tom Lawler, Shea Cabrera versus Kenny King, Fred Yehai versus Minoru Suzuki, Jake Something versus Juice Robinson, and um, Tanahashi taking on Gabriel Kidd. So check that out if you get a chance. I'm sure it'll be making um, strong date soon. This past week, Antonio Noki's Wrestling Observer Newsletter obituary was published, and um, when you actually put it into a Word document, it's 43 pages long and 24 thousand words so it's lit it's literally a book so uh i i read through it pretty great stuff pretty easy read some of dave's best work although i will tell you as an enochius i saw there's some inconsistencies with some of the uh some of the factoids they put in there but that's that's okay he did a great job and uh definitely check that out if you're an observer subscriber robbie eagles was the winner of this past weekend's Coliseum tournament in PWA X MCW. So that's Melbourne city wrestling and um, PWA black label or just PWA. I can't remember, but those are the two largest um, Australian uh, independent companies on in the country. They joined together to have the annual Coliseum tournaments, essentially like the biggest and most prestigious tournament in Australia. Uh, They've been running it for about four or five years now. And Rob Eagles won that tournament pretty big deal for him they gave him an awesome katana so uh i think that you can watch that on fight tv if you want to check it out this past week uh in rev pro there was supposed to be a british title match between um ricky knight jr and shoto amino shoto amino was pulled at the last minute and replaced by gabriel kidd that match took place on october 9th ricky knight jr did retain his title but uh that was from Southampton. so if you want to check that out that's on the streaming service now um, Lucha Libre laughs. There was a main event between Minoru Suzuki and um, Royce Isaacs from uh, from Team Filthy on October eighth. Um, heard really great things about that match. That's available as well. There was also match announcement this past week from House of Glory Exodus coming up on October 29th. There will be an Aussie Open uh, versus Briscoe's match, as well as Shingo Takagi versus Loki match. Which typically anywhere else in the world, this would be top-notch action but because it's house of glory you just never know they might fuck you <laughs> I, I saw the shingo got announced and i was like is loki still good i don't even know uh he is when he wants to be mm, um, okay there's another noah muta retirement show coming up very shortly the uh i believe it's also october 29th the match announcement was tanahashi hanma and makabe taking on the team of muta inamora and marafuji so been a lot of uh, word, war of words in the press between Muta and Tanahashi leading up to this one. So that's a pretty big deal. Plus, long time since uh, Tanahashi's been in the uh, the Noah ring as well. 
Last two bits of news. Uh, there will be two meet and greets coming up here shortly. October 19th, there's a meet and greet on Token Shop Global on YouTube with uh, Minoru Suzuki. Uh, and then as well on... Uh, actually, I have the wrong date here on this, but there there's a uh, meet and greet coming up at the historic Hamburg Fieldhouse with Kevin Kelly and David Finley. It's free for all those that have purchased their... Uh, you know, attendance. You can find out more information on that at outbreakticks.com. That is going to do it for the news. So the last bit of bit business here, we've got a couple questions that we're going to uh, head out. So the first question, this is, this one's for you, James, specifically it's from Josh McLaughlin um, from social sports podcast network. He asked oh when is Toriano getting his own career retrospective? That is overly long due. For a social suplex podcast number, social suplex. He, he's he's asking us when is Toriano getting his career retrospective? He thinks it's long overdue. If he wants it, he better write it or or produce it and <laughs> and um and record it. Like I'm, I have nothing to do with that. I want nothing to do with that. I told the man to his face through text <laughs> that um if he wants to do that, we could do it. He just needs to you know do all the research, watch all the matches, right? Pre- prepare everything. It's 20 years of coverage. If, you know, he likes haha Yano. Let's go cover, you know, Young Lion Yano and, you know, most violent players Yano. This guy wasn't always a joke. Look, I, I, I look, I think y'all know me enough to know that, like, I don't rock with Yano. Like, I think that's why I said it's for you. It's not time. really for you. But, but the thing is, like, if, if he legitimately actually wants, I'm not, he's probably joking, but if he legitimately wants to, like, wants that, go make it. We'll yeah, put it. We'll put it wherever you in the appropriate place. Here. Fine. You yeah. can come onto this show and do it if yeah. you really, if you really want to. Right. Oscar Rooney asked for James, "What hip hop group would be a cool wrestling faction?" He chooses G Unit, and I gotta say, Oscar Rooney, I appreciate <laughs> this question because I like hip hop too. <laughs> How do you know what, what what I would choose? You don't know. But uh, James, in, in, in that light, what hip hop group would you choose to be a cool wrestling faction? I don't know, man. Like you know, most of the most of the rap that I grew up listening to, like involved people that weren't really with the sh- really with the wrestling, and more with the, like the, the bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. So um, I don't know. I get. I pick Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. You knew when you said that you were gonna like fucking annoy me. You knew you knew when you said that. Like you may as well have said the fucking Sugar Hill gang. Asshole. Um I don't know. But I'm just gonna say NWA and call it a day. I was gonna say NWA is probably the right answer. I mean, easy E super small. I don't know. Maybe he has some lucha luchaism going on. I don't know. Wu Tang. Wu Tang's got too many people in it. Yeah, but that's why it would work. Just played number games the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. MJ does PR had a couple questions. He said, "Now that New Japan has its own high speed belt, and you know, have declared a focus on developing younger talent, can we say and have a discussion about how Stardom's cultural influence has permeated throughout Puro?" Um, that's hard to really say or pinpoint because you got to remember, like, there's so much stuff that Stardom has taken and influence from places like. Dragon Gate originally, like, right? Like, um, so yeah, people like Starlight Kid, 
Mayu Iwatani, Mabu Watanabe, they grew up on Dragon Gate. And when you see them do some of the things they do, they're, they're actually really stables of Dragon Gate. And because Dragon Gate is so hard um, from a Western perspective to get a hold of or watch or even like look archive stuff of, it's kind of lost. So when you, but the start is so much easier to access. So stuff that you feel is the influence of them in reality um, isn't necessarily them, but they have the, the, the opportunity of being in Tokyo and not being kind of like blackballed by the media thing of like, oh, this is Western Japan. Get it the hell out of here. We don't, right. we don't care about you with the award season and all that kind of stuff in Tokyo. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. It really is hard to say. But um, I think, you know, some of the stuff is kind of like relatable kind of things like, okay, you have a group of wrestlers that weren't put through a this a, tr- a traditional line system compared to say a you know all japan um new japan noah thing where it's like look if you're if you're someone like saya kanatani who's a current white belt champion and probably at worst number two woman's wrestler based off of in ring uh quality this year you debuted in 2019 like not as it not come back off excursion, like debut 2019, they beat the hell out of you for a year and a half. And then they tracked you to winning, you know, basically, you know, Cinderella tournament, which is their new Japan cup. Um, and then at the end of the year, at the biggest show of the year, you win the white belt, uh, the, you know, the IC belt, if you will. And she's been a great champion. Um, and she's 20, she's turning 26. I think if she's not 26 yet, but like, you compare that to so you see you know and obari talked about this um talking about seeing someone like starlight kid seeing someone like azumi and saying like hey let's you know our roster our, our top stars are older they're not going to be around a decade from now they may not right. be around five years from now let's try to rework this instead of waiting for guys to come straight out of college let's try to get them a little earlier put them through the system earlier and then you know they can be around for 15 years or build toward you know and build up and have fresher blood so yeah like i don't you know well you know that's it, it, that's not necessarily i don't think that's necessarily that is a stardom influence to an extent but like that's not necessarily like but that's something that like you could have said to them and they already knew that their roster was up sure. there in age well i mean even if at the very least it's pretty evident that some of these ideas that are being popularized in stardom are starting to take hold in the, the market leader in New mm-hmm. Japan. So it goes to show you that they do yeah. have some level of influence. I kind of liken it to like when, um, you know, back in the nineties when ECW was being so revolutionary in many mm-hmm. ways they were, they were really repurposing a lot of like territory, especially, you know, Memphis ideas and, you know, they still created a legacy for themselves. So right, I think it's because WWE ended up, you know, taking a lot of stuff to help t- turn the tide along exactly. WCW also, you know, killing themselves. Um, but, you know, when you think about it, you look at most entertainment industries or whatever else, like influence and culture, if you will, starts from the bottom up, not from the top down. Right. Like it, it uh, this conversation I was having uh, with someone about like the music industry in general, 
um, and some of the inter- some of the innovative things of over the you know last twenty years, or whatever. So yeah, like or, or my lifetime really wasn't just twenty years, but like yeah, like that's kind of the case for most things. Is like it starts from it doesn't start from the top, it starts from the bottom, and then you know matriculates his way through. His next question was: Would you place Narita, Suji, Shooter, and Yumura in a stable upon their returns, or split them up? And I, I gotta tell you, I would not have these guys all partnered up for any real reason. I, I don't. Maybe a tag team or something like that, but I don't see a reason to have your four young guns all in the same stable together. It makes no sense to me. I'm with you because, like, you know, they're gonna be, they're in that same generation. They're always gonna be linked anyway. Right. Uh, next question. Um, Velkedge underscore Braca? Braca? <laughs> yep, I don't know how yep, to pronounce yep, it. Yep. Uh, he said, for James, why is your girl so deep in the mud, basically falling down after getting the brakes beaten out of her? Why does she have to put someone over that strong? Is everything okay in the Cosmic Angels when they have to kick out the eel? I have no clue what he's talking about. I, I guess Unagi or something. I, I don't Momo? I don't really uh-huh. know what's go I don't really know what he's talking about. I don't know if he's spoiling whatever happened over the weekend. I don't know. But um what he is speaking about is um and this is the thing, like he's saying this after he messaged me and I set him straight on like uh Tam Nakano, but whatever. Like my favorite wrestler in stardom is Mayu Batani. My second favorite wrestler in stardom is Tam Nakano. Mayu is a legend. Like the like the resume speaks for itself. She she is is she's above critique at this point. Tam, on the other hand, is somebody that stunk up until 2019. Um, and like since 2019, she's been one of the best wrestlers in the world. And like, um, she's an incredible storyteller, incredible long form storyteller. And um, I think, quite frankly, if we were to talk about like uh, you think of traditional Japanese pro wrestling or just tours and that kind of thing and you think of like if you were to make it in television i think she's she's better suited than anybody else if she were to anybody was be plucked out of plucked for wwe or for AEW to tell stories whatever else but that's besides the point um he does not like her he is a he is a self-admitted tam nakano hater and he's just fucking with me so i don't even know how to really answer that but uh she tam had one of the best matches of the year um worldwide um, in the Grand Prix final, and she lost. Um, so I guess he's rubbing it on me. I don't know. Whatever. Like I, you know, I don't really do the devastating loss thing. Not at least not since like Johnny Gargano. So you know, kind <laughs> <laughs> of over on it. Like, but uh, yeah. Like she's already tag champion, so it's like she wasn't going to win. So whatever. Um, the right person won. Julia is going to um Sumo Hall, and she's probably going to be the Red Bell champion, and she's going to have her. You know, long run, well deserved. She's kicked ass for ever since she showed up in Star at the end of 2019. So, I only recognize one red belt championship: the 3WA, the, the Mildred WA, the real red belt. They need to bring that one. <laughs> Mildred Burke. Like the funny part about it is, like for all we know, like it's in Rossi's closet with the rest of his collectibles. <laughs> it probably is. Uh, Grunty Dodds asks, he said, in the wake of Inoki's passing, I'm seeing some talk online about Paul Heyman wanting to bring him in for an ECW pay-per-view appearance in 1997. Supposedly, he would have been with the full-blooded Italians as Tony Inoki from Yokohama, Italy. Have you heard anything about this, or is it just internet nonsense? If it's real, how close was it to actually happening? I never heard this. 
I've never heard of it either. So I reached out to the only person I know that knows a lot about Anoki and a lot about ECW and that I trust their opinion. Joe Lanza, one from um, Voices of Wrestling, mm-hmm. and he did respond and he said, I've never heard anything about that. <laughs> he said, and I doubt it for two for two reasons. Why are you laughing? Because like I said, I have I've never heard of this. And you're like, I never heard of this. And then like you were like, I'm going to I'm going to know the ECW story and the person that has been in those ECW buildings back then right. for these shows. And his answer is the same thing we got. <laughs> <laughs> He said, um, I doubt it for two reasons. One, Heyman wouldn't waste Anoki in that manner. Two, Anoki would never agree to that kind of thing. Very few men, if any, historically took themselves more seriously than Antonio Anoki. So that is true. Take that for what it's worth. Viking Pain asks, so between the two new titles in New Japan, which one do you guys actually prefer overall? The women's championship or the TV championship and why? Um, practically speaking for, uh, for, you know, domestically, which is the most important thing, uh, I would say the, the TV title, um, like if we're talking about just for the promotion of, of new Japan pro wrestling, I would say the TV title. Now, if you're talking about for like for Bushu road, um, that might change, but I'm going to keep, keep it at, um, new Japan. So I would say the TV title, because like it gives a, a spot for exciting, change of pace wrestling on their cards on bigger shows for, and also like to spotlight, like their younger wrestlers that can kind of go at a a faster pace style. Um, that doesn't, you know, don't have like, you know, as many, as much tread on the tires as like more the more established veterans, even, even regardless of, um, what that, you know, bracket looks like or that field of, uh, you know, future possible champions are. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough one for me to, to say specifically because, both are new concepts. Both mm-hmm. have their utilization and their their benefits. It, it you know in kind of expanding the brand and um, providing new opportunities for other workers. So mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's never been a women's championship in in New Japan to any real degree. So I mean, um, I've definitely like voiced my concerns as it pertains to the relationship between New Japan and Stardom. But if this creates a scenario where these girls that a lot of people that watch say New Japan but don't watch Stardom, if they get exposed to them and they are blowing us away with how great the matches are, which by all accounts is probably what will happen, it's probably going to do a lot of good to, you know, have those like cross pollinate those different fan bases and grow their audience in that manner. So that's perfect. But it also sounds like that title is not going to be used a lot, whereas right. like. With the TV that, title, that's going to be probably in every tour sort of thing. Exactly. And that's where I'm getting at about it. And it's like, if the IWGP belt is meant to be a showcase match every three shows at a Dominion, Russell Kingdom, um, you know, that sort of thing, like, cool, Sakura Genesis or whatever, um, like, cool, but ultimately, like, it's an attraction and they it's an attraction go, belt. And then they go back to stardom. Right. And right. it's like, so what is that? So, so like, yeah, here you go. So then it goes back to, <laughs> so then like, so, so what does that do for new Japan? You know what I mean? Like, so for right. me, like in like the actual everyday core of new Japan, it's so like, for me, that's why I'm going with, um, that's why I'm going with, 
the TV title. Now, if you want to say, if you want to open up the Bushu Road, potentially as far as like help with the growth of stardom, they put uh, Kyrie, Mayu, uh, Julia, whoever um, there in that spotlight. They have uh, some you know four and a quarter star match or whatever else. It goes twelve minutes, um, and then you know people are like, who the hell is that? Even, you know, because right. you know they, how, how like the crowds year after year since the Rose Kingdom Dark shows to this year's show that was like our match that was on the card like like it they have gotten more over with the crowd year after year after year like and also with you know some of the premieres like the MetLife Dome or whatever else like if that's a, a more continuation of that sure but that, that's for Bushi Road that's not from New Japan yeah uh and then as far as like the TV title is just concerned with all this it's just a it's a new prize that guys that are returning from excursions or guys that have never held a title, you know, that are sort of at the bottom of the card. You know, it's just this new prize that's sort of like entry level that people can go after. And the fact that they're also showing it on social media for free potentially creates mm-hmm. an avenue where like if the matches are really good and it involves people that fans want to watch, then it might entice people to sign up for New Japan World and, right. and watch, you know, the program. So I think all across the board, I think both of them are pretty close, honestly, as of right now. Of course, they might screw one of them up or both of them up. You just never know. That's exactly. always yep. a possible. Or, or, or they'll get bored and they'll just scrap it. Right. Less Commission 7252 said, I am currently binge watching New Japan 2019 through early 2020 events. And I just got done with Dominion 2019. And I remember people absolutely not liking the main event between Okada and Jericho. Jericho. Yep. At first, I didn't like it when I watched it live and never watched it back. But from watching it back now, I, I absolutely think it was a great match. Not a classic, but with good storytelling to it. So with that, my question is, have you guys ever went back to a bad match that you guys either reviewed or haven't reviewed on the podcast and had a different opinion on that match afterwards? Yeah, a number of times. Um, But see... I don't like the descriptor of how he finished that one for me because like I never thought that match was bad. I thought it was disappointing. Right. Um so yeah, uh so you know, um trying to think of a match and just like watching a replay, I was like, oh, I was wrong. Um there's plenty of matches based off of like my blood sugar <laughs> or how tired I am. Because you know I end up watching stuff like when I'm like, oh, I haven't slept in two days. Let's watch something. Oh, I'm miserable. Gee, I wonder why. So um, there's plenty of times where like I've gone back and rewatched matches and liked them more. Um, and there's also been a lot of times where I've been matches where I've rewatched them and liked them a lot less. So yeah, that, that right. just comes, it just happens. This, you know, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have a specific instant of that ever happening. Uh, but generally speaking, I would say I mostly don't have, if I do end up rewatching something, I don't have that moment where I like it more the second time. Mm. I usually feel vindicated, but there are times where I end up liking something less and that happens a lot more often, especially yeah. with um, the way wrestling has kind of just advanced as an art form uh, mm-hmm. over the past few years. If I go back to like 2015 or 2016 and watch some of those matches that were like, Oh, that was like just out of this world. Incredible. I'll go back. And I'm like, it's still good. Actually, I can tell you one specifically. There's a match on um, Lucha Underground. It's like the 10th episode and it's Phoenix versus, uh, Puma, which is Ricochet. Mm. And when I watched it at the time, I was like, this has got to be one of the greatest matches I have ever seen in my life. This is, it was like 2015. I was just like, this should be at WrestleMania. This is fucking uh-huh. incredible. Yeah. 
And then I watched it like a year or two ago, and I was like, this is just a and and a kind of less than average like dynamite Wednesday night match. Like this is it's very good, but it mm. we have gotten to a point now where we get that so often. <laughs> I watched this match that I thought was a classic, and it's just kind of okay. Okay, so the last one I can really think of that's coming to me right now is like when we went to NXT Takeover New York, um, and the, the main event was the uh, right. two out of three falls match between Gargano and 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 um and Adam Cole, and watching it live, I thought it was like a four and a half star match for it, you know four and a half star match, maybe four and a half plus, but I wouldn't have gone to four and three quarters. I thought the I thought the Walter in uh, Pete Dunn match was better, right? I gave that four and th- three quarters. So later in the year, um, when I watched a TV copy of it, I see why everyone thought it was like one of the five best matches of the year, mm-hmm. right? That sort of thing. And the five star and Dave Meltzer giving it, you know, four and a or five and a quarter, or four, five and a half, whatever he gave it. I think he gave it five and a half. So. Um, I think a lot of it was the crowd response. Uh, I don't know. I don't know because uh, you know they were. I, I I don't know what it was, but like when it got to the third fall, it turned into like a super like one of the all time best Super Junior final matches, and they were just clobbering each other. But we from my from where I was sitting, I couldn't feel the impact in in uh, of them striking each other, and that took it to a whole other level. Um, so yeah, like that was the last match I can think of where I was like, I thought of it at this and then I watched it later and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I was wrong. It's way, but you know, obviously it's perspective of TV, you know, presentation versus live presentation. Right. Uh, his last question this is going to do it for the questions. He said, between these three, what is the best camera work? Okada's Rainmaker pose while the opponent is on the ground. <laughs> Jonah while he hits the torpedo or mm. Evil's camera shake as he poses during his ring introduction. I am going to go with uh I'm I think it's all great, but for me it's the Okada. It's just it's so iconic and it's like this it epic is. thing. And people also like repurpose it, but I gotta say, when the building the mood in the building changes like like when that splash happens and then like, mm-hmm. and then the, sh- and the shot is beautiful, but yeah, I'll go I'll, I'll Cause I don't want nobody mad at me. I'll go with Okada in the rain, in the rainmaker. Cause obviously like everybody has taken it from Ram Kaichu and Joshi to, um, to, you know, best friends with the hug. So yeah. Awesome. Well, that is going to do it for the questions and this episode of keeping a strong style, James, we're so, uh, you know, honored and privileged to have you on the show here today. Uh, do you want to give people your plugs and let them know where they can find you, that sort of thing? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JamesBoat87. Um, you can also follow um, our podcast at One Nation Radio. Um, and, you know, um, you, you say that it's honor and all that. Just, just just wait until that, what, November 22nd, 2000, 2022, like, review of Historic Crossover. I don't think you'll be as honored <laughs> I, I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna find me to be insufferable. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, uh, those Mike, that's you're gonna be telling me. us like how how like we're trash and how like stardom like kills us. I I, I potentially potentially <laughs> and maybe not maybe not trash, but like you know just the because like you know 
there's a lot of stuff that comes with when it comes to the stardom thing is like we're just gonna have Karen on instead. I, I see you. <laughs> I see you. You want to duck? I see you. But uh, no, I just I just think that like people were in for like uh, almost like a shock to the system because like the style is different. Um, and like, it's a lot more, it, I think it's the most efficient pro wrestling that like that's going on right now. Like as far as like, you can get like the feeling of, um, you get a feeling of like a 25 minute match out of them at times in like 17 minutes of nice. like, so that that's, that's the thing. Like it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, watching, you know, AEW and stardom, like it will break your brain, like watching like a WWE show or <laughs> even or even like a New Japan undercard stuff. Like it kind of is like, okay, get to it, get to it. But like, no, that's traditional wrestling. I'm watching something that's I am watching like, you know, as opposed to watching normal, you know, the regular thing, I am watching like just something that's just like Sure. Cutting through the cutting getting straight to the essence, if you will. Yeah, so it's um and I think that like a lot of people, you know, that haven't seen it before will really like it. And um it's gonna be fun. And like, you know, the talks of, you know, a lot of people um are, are rumors of some of the New Japan wrestlers like being unfamiliar or being dismissive of it, it's like, okay, don't come out here and get embarrassed because they're gonna show up because this is a high effort promotion. I think it's a lot of the older wrestlers. I think some of the a lot of the younger generation are more welcoming to the idea of the crossover. So, I was saying, like, don't it, look. It could get it could get real real interesting. Like, they get like four matches in, and we start looking back and forth as far as performances and stuff, and be like, "What the hell is going on here?" <laughs> I, I like so. I'm, I'm either way. Like, it's going to be a great show, it, whether or not New Japan shows up or not. I'm letting you know because they care so much over there. They really do. So it's gonna like, be fun. I don't really know what to say to any of that because I'm like, I think they're gonna try. Like, <laughs> that's a, see what I'm saying. Like, either way, either way, it's gonna be a great show. It's gonna yeah. be a great show. One half of that roster gonna try their ass off. Well, well, that the other show, half shows up. We'll see. Well, that show is gonna actually cut off the uh, the voting period for our year end awards this year. So it's gonna be sort of like the little, you know, kind of like the tail end of. Mm-hmm that whole thing but uh that's gonna do it did you have any other plugs that you want to tell people you kind of no. went off on the startup stuff no that's it okay awesome well thank you again for coming on the show and being here with me this week next week jeremy donovan will be returning and he'll be joining me to review battle autumn nights one through three and then potentially world quest nights one and two if they <laughs> get, get published i guess if you've enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media, on Twitter, we are at KI Strong Style, on Facebook, we're the uh, Wrestling Square Circle, on Instagram and Reddit, and you can also email Jeremy at jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all our other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Lyon and James Boyd. Great Consequences Podcast with Caleb Maserati. All Things Elite with Floyd Austin. The AEW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. And Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny Coogler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.